Tuesday Shoes, our podcast that's about everything literary. Books, comic books, manga, webcomics, and everything else you might be reading. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart psychic, who's always at my side, Hostway. How you doing, Keith? Doing good. I'm staring at a stack of comics, the likes of which I haven't seen in years. I know, right? I've been really <laughs> loving these back-to-back weeks. I mean, it is also thanks to like the uh, future state, but yeah. at the same time, it's, actually, it's been pretty good to be talking good about dc <laughs> yeah between future state and king of black it's it's really building up yeah, so yeah yeah it is. so we're here to talk about the comics that came out this week uh which would be the date of 2 10 21 um we're not gonna waste your time we're gonna go straight into it because we got a lot to talk about so as always we start we talk about our independent books first and we talk about the ones we don't share uh so i'm gonna go through these very very quickly because most of them are things I've talked about before, and I don't want to spend too much time. Uh, Commanders in Crisis number five, published by Image, uh, written and created by Steve Orlando, drawn and created by David Tinto, and um, colorist is Francesca Carantinito, and uh, letterer is Fabio Emilia. Um, so I'm loving this one. This is the one where, with the heroes that were all former presidents of the United States and their worlds, and they're all drawn to this world. Uh, basically, you find out that this world... There's something evil about this world in general. It's like the evil version of the world. That's the twist. Um, and it's the only one left. So they kind of have to make do with you know an evil world. And uh, it's just really cool. There's a lot of really great moments in this issue. Um, we're kind of going into the second arc. Empathy is gone now. So there, like, there's a lot going on on the planet with I mean, a lot of bad stuff going on because no one has empathy anymore. Um, but some really great moments with Prize Fighter, where you get he's flirting with a guy and like to kiss, and then there's a scene with uh, with two of the uh, other characters, and uh, they they have a pretty vivid sex scene, and uh, the kind of stuff you only see in any indie comics, and uh, it's just great. It's really great and drawn very well. But uh, there's one panel I absolutely love, and um, I'm going to send you a picture of it. Because, like, there's a way that people draw sex scenes in comics, and only, like, like I'll just say this, men don't usually get drawn like this. And I absolutely love it, because it's just Ooh. great. Like, like there's the, just the position Let they're in in that middle panel. Oh, fuck yeah. Wait, what comic is this? <laughs> this is uh, Commanders in Crisis. Oh, well, my God. See, like, that's, that's some realism shit right there. Because, yeah, you're right. Like, men don't get posed that way when they're at their most vulnerable, but it's just, like, it's fucking hot at the same time. So, yes. Yeah, it's great. So, literally, he's, for those who don't know, the guy, by the way, that's um, that's the first Hispanic president of the United States to do. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) And he, um, he's literally kind of bent over, and the girl is, her hands are definitely involved near the rear of his body, and she's. Her mouth is placed directly on his butt. It's <laughs> like hot. It's, it's what it's it is. Hot. Yeah. It's hot as fuck. But it's definitely the kind of thing that a lot of dudes would be like, ugh, like, uh, no, that's what guys are like. No, it's shit. Like, Damn, Keith, I don't know we're going to start spicy like this episode like this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he's really cool. He's he's probably my favorite character in the book. Maybe him or Prize Fighter. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And he has a very ultimate Hawkeye uh, costume. Nice. When he's in costume, so he's just great. Uh, but this is kind of, the, like I said, the start of the new arc and kind of leading into it. And um, yeah, it's just great. I really enjoy it. So pick that up, guys. Um, I will say this one is uh, definitely rated mature, this issue. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't really been like that before, but this one's definitely very mature, but I really enjoy it. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is from Aftershock. Uh, Scout's Honor number two. I just reviewed Scout's Honor number one last week because I finally got a copy of it. Uh, so mm-hmm. written written by David Popose, drawn by Luca Casalanguera, uh, colored by Matt Mia, and letter by Carlos Menguala. Um, so I told you about this last week and that it's a post-apocalyptic world where the basically the Boy Scouts of America are the people keeping everybody alive. They're badass survivors and stuff. Um, then there's the main character, Kit, who seems to be like the star of this class of scouts. And it's just like a, a little badass, right? So the twist I didn't tell you last issue, because I wanted to give our, our people a chance to actually pick it up is you find out that Kit's a woman posing hmm. as a man. Okay. And because uh, she wants to be a scout. Nice, yeah. And there's an implication, you don't see it very clearly, but there's like this whole thing in the scouts where we protect the women who are at home. And you're like, oh, there's like a strict gender role in this society. And so they would probably be very outraged if they found out. Well, Kit's best friend is the son of the Scoutmaster, and he's kind of jealous of Kit because Kit's really good, and he's not quite as good, and only, like, one of them gets basically the Eagle Scout, which is the best one, you know? And they're having, like, a little discussion, and he just kisses Kit. Ooh, okay. And, and then Kit runs away, and then Kit's like, like, I'll just quote it right here, it's like, He's like, what happened? What, what the hell just happened? There's no way Des knew. And he's like, unless, oh, God, he still thinks I'm a man. Right. And it's like, oh, I love this. Nice, and yeah. Then, and then there's just, I, I kind of compared it to Last of Us last time. There is definitely some, some like, that kind of a post-apocalyptic feel, if that's something that you really enjoy. Okay. Um, And there's a bunch of really cool, badass action scenes. And just, oh, it's just great. And there's a big tragedy in this one that I'm not going to spoil. But I'm loving this book. I love David's chuff. I've already said that before. So um, definitely pick that one up. It's worth it. Uh, Next up is Undiscovered Country, number 12. uh, Published by Image. Written by Scott Steiner and Charles Soule. Drawn by Giuseppe Comancoli. Leonardo Marcello Grassi. Colored by Matt Wilson. Lettered by Crank. Um, This is the last issue of this second arc. Basically, what they're doing is there's there's seven. The U.S. has been divided into seven nations in this in this past, far future, okay. and these people, for some reason we haven't discovered, have been determined to be the people to choose which one of these countries is the one that should stay. So they're having to visit between all the countries. The first one was the Mad Max country. The second one is this high tech country where your thoughts can basically meld matter and change things. You can do whatever you want, basically, which is awesome. Hence when you find your curiosity, out. That's when your curiosity came back in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then you find out that the the only way it works is it needs a massive amount of energy, and the energy source they found was a entire complex full of infant babies. Their brains, just their brains. Oh, shit. Yeah, so it's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and so you have to deal with, like, the morality of this. And there's still, like, in the end, they have to pick which one is best. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, I mean, we're going to get into a lot of moral gray gray areas, is yeah. what I'm saying. So <laughs> I'm very curious to see where they go next. I know when they appeared in the next area, they appeared in Ford's Theater, where Lincoln was shot. Okay. And 
Uncle Sam, who is a repeating character and seems to be multiple different versions of him everywhere, is a pirate in this one. So <laughs> okay. we'll see where that goes. So yeah. <laughs> Origins four of six. Um now this is Boom, and it was drawn or created by Arasha Mel, Lee Krieger, and Joseph Oxford. Uh, the script is by Clay McLeod Chaplin, art by Jacob Ravelka, caused by Patricio de Pelch, and letters by Jim Campbell. Um, not a lot for this one. This is the one with the guy who basically caused the robot apocalypse, is cloned and brought back to help you know fix everything. Um, last issue, they ran into a village of like servant robots, like you know all the people that serve humans that don't have minds of their own, and a long period passes where he's with them. They get attacked. And he flees with a bunch of them. And they go on this long journey to the point that his hair grows all out and he has a huge beard. And he's just repairing them the entire time, saving them whenever there's problems with them. He's very much like their leader kind of thing. And then they get attacked again. And then they find, at the very end, a bunker. And they all go inside. So, really good issue. This is, it is four of six, so there's only two issues left. I'm curious to see where this goes. Hmm. Um, it's It's just interesting to see a world where the robots are the good guys and nature is the bad guy. Yeah, that's you interesting. Know? Yeah, it's usually flipped, so. Norse mythology number five. Uh, story and words by Neil Gaiman. Script and layouts <laughs> by P. Craig Russell. Letters by Galen Showman. Um, there's two stories involved in here. Loki's Children, with the art and colors done by David Rubin. And Freya's Unusual Wedding, art and colors by Jill Thompson. Um, and uh, yes, I got the David Mack cover if anyone's wondering. <laughs> um, so, uh, this is a two again, great Norse stories. Uh, Loki's children is the story of uh, Finrer, the Popey, oh, yeah. and, and basically the story of Tyr and how he lost his hand. Um, it's a pretty famous story, um, but I, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was great. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite Norse stories, actually. It's, it's up there with the, the, the building of the wall one I talked about before. So, yeah. Um, it's really good, and I love tear in it. Tear like the way they portray tear is really great. So, and then the the second one, it's only about half of the story, and it's uh, where Thor's hammer disappears, and he basically says Loki didn't steal it, but Loki's c- crafty enough to get it back, basically. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and that just set up the story. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm just loving Norse mythology. I love that something I've loved since I was a child is getting a comic book adaptation. So, <laughs> um, and then my last one is the last witch number two. Um, now you, you said you did not get this, right? No. Okay, good. Just making sure, uh, published by Boombox. uh, written by Connor McCreary, drawn by VV glass, colored by Natalia Nesterenko and letter by J- J- Jim Campbell. So this is the one that's like kind of a, uh, Irish fantasy. Um, and uh, done in kind of like a folklore's windy style. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I really liked this issue. It added a lot of meat to the bone for the story because the previous one was just a young girl and her little brother and the guy, the kid that you know she has like a joking like rivalry, but also friendship with in the town in the village, and <clears throat> he dares her to go out to the old witch's tower, and it's like, oh, this is cool. Well, it gets her shit gets real, is what we'll say. Um, she goes into the witch's tower. She finds a witch who is cooking something, and it turns out what she's cooking is her friend. Oh, okay. So it goes zero to a hundred immediately. Right. She's cooked. She's cooked this child. <laughs> 
So he's gone. And then she has to free her little brother, and she uses some kind of mysterious power to stop the witch, and the witch flees, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they go to visit Old Nan, and um, she's like kind of like a hedge witch in town. Uh, so no real magic power, but you know knows all the cool like lore and stuff. And she basically lays it out. So, uh, oh, also they find out from the hedge witch that, and this is funny that I'm doing this as an aside, so I apologize. Basically, while they were there, someone killed the entire town, including their father. Oh, ah. Uh. So it's it, it's getting really, really, really brutal. And yeah, basically, for boombox. <laughs> yeah. So they find out it's a lot of Celtic lore, and if if it's that's your thing, it's so good. That's cool. But but basically. There's a head witch and then all of her like students. And one of the ones they fought was just one of her students. And um, the head witch is the one that killed everybody. This young girl turns out has a witch mark and has the ability to be a witch. So now this lady is going to teach her how to do it. You find out this lady is actually the sister of all those other younger witches. But she just doesn't have the magic power they do. So Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really, really good. I'm really enjoying it. And like I said, if that culture is a thing that dig you dig, it's totally worth picking up. And especially, yeah, I, I would compare it to Wind specifically. Nice. Um, okay. Both, both visually and storytelling wise. So um, that is all of my independent uh, individual books. Sweet. Uh, so I'll kick it over to you. Sweet. Well, I have two. Uh, two like a book I really liked, and another, and another, the other one. Is one that's really gonna start starting to grow on me. So this first one is Scaring Hood by IDW, uh, okay. issue number four by Nick Roche. Uh, yeah, story and art, colors by uh, Chris O'Halloran, and letters by Sean Lee. Uh, so yeah, it picks up on just like when they see like the the spirit the spirit of Flino's uh, brother, and they kind of have a confrontation with uh, uh, the priest. And they kind of expel it, even though Flynn kind of like he needs to stay. It, it just sucks for Flynn, just like to see his the spirit of his brother, even though it's not really him. It's just like the this deity or this demon they're trying to like get rid of. It's just like impersonating like the little brother, and it's just so fucking hard for him. Like, but he needs to stay there to keep the link going. Anyway, they pretty much like kind of like they save the day, so we kind of have like the rest of the issue kind of figure it out, um, and kind of everything's going going back to normal. But then it's kind of not. There's still some mystery going going on. Um, and before like the final play for like, because they all uh, scaring her for their parenthood, uh, the final, uh, little recital for their kids, um, they're going to split on one last mission and they're going to go see this other lady, uh, who is pretty much in charge of like the fairies and how she's just pretty much like the only one that believes in this shit. And it turns out that a long time ago when it happened to Flynn's brother, it was in this weird exorcism ritual case where, that all, all those times ago, that lady and the priest that helped him in the first place, they had to come together to kind of like put this demon back to like, at least like to just like suppress this demon back. And hence why it got broken back in the first issue when the dad like fi- found that statue of the Virgin Mary wrapped around that in that um, vine and it broke. And hence like now all the crazy shit happening. <laughs> and she's explaining all this and he's like, and then he goes like, wait, so you mean like, we can just use this and he takes out the the head of that virgin mary piece and he's and she's just like what the fuck you have it with you what <laughs> it's basically like a, a not a curse but a bad superstition bad luck to even bring in this type of vine anywhere indoors and he's had it with him everywhere <laughs> so 
And then literally the next, you turn the page and him and uh, Sinhead, uh, the lady who's part- who partnered up with him on this- for this mission, mm. <laughs> you can just see that they-, they just taped the the head on the outside of the car. Like, why even bother after all this time, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, it turns out that it's, it's not over, um, which is great because, I mean, and then uh, they realize that they're going to be late for the recital when they go in there. His daughter is like locked or is just now lost. And it's kind of basically what's, what happened to Flynn's brother all that time ago. And kind of like, a, like uh, as a parent just comes in and he saves the day, saves her from like almost getting like buried, like buried alive. And it's like, all right, cool. So maybe it is going to end here. And then there's like a weird little conclusion between him and one of the other parents who is married, but is not really happy in their marriage. And they're about to have a moment when the wife shows up this whole time. I thought she was kind of like dead or for sure, like at the very least, very much separated or divorced. She was just been gone this whole time. She just shows up out of nowhere. It's like, what the fuck are you doing next to my husband? And like, oh, well, okay turn the page and you get a cool little epilogue with the fairy lady and one weird message that's, that pretty much implies that we're all fucked and it says end book one i thought it was gonna be a mini a closed off mini and we're gonna get more scaring hood and i'm so fucking excited because this is a, this book is great nice what issue was this one uh number four four gotcha okay also so it's I, a four issue arc then yeah it's a four issue arc um, I didn't get the variant for the first one, and then I did get the variant for the second and third one for this one because they, they were just like really. I just, the second one was really good, and I got the third one just for just because it was there. And then once you read the story, it's like oh shit, now I'm glad I did get it because uh, play, it plays off of a really good scene. And which so made, it made me really love the variants for Scaring Hood. And when I looked up this one, I really really wanted it because it was sin- it's Sinead, um who's wearing a shirt that says hashtag Final was right like the 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 conspiracy dude who just gets who says like the crazy shit and they didn't have it so i'm gonna look out for it because it's really really good nice so my next one is knock em dead number three by aftershock this was cool uh by elliot rahal uh matia monaco is an artist uh matt mill is a colorist and taylor esposito by his letter so this one is like that weird horror book about the the struggling stand stand up uh, stand up comedian, who mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and after a car crash, he gets possessed by a spirit who is actually funny, and it's pretty much just like riding shotgun. And now he's like uh, this, uh, uh, yeah, Prior Bryce is good on the mic, like people are actually laughing. And so, then the start of this issue is it's just like at the end of his set, and he's like, "Cool, everybody's he gets a good applause. Thanks, for my, that's my time." And rushes over rushes over to the bathroom, and he just he just starts puking. And something's not fucking right. Uh, his sister finds him in the bathroom because, like, she's just always watching his sets now, just because it's it's just weird that he's just really good out of nowhere when he was just literally getting crickets. Um, yeah, so it's just weird. Uh, uh, he ends up kind of almost like passing on the like, like there in the bath in the stall when he we cut to like a weird fever dream, and it's like the spirit that's possessing him. He's like kind of running this like late night show. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of setting the, the the setting here, and it's almost he's gonna give prior like those like the five minute bit like uh, late night late night shows do, and then you see the audience and it's just a bunch of demons, and he just says he just you don't you don't never hear the joke but it's just you can just tell what easy joke it is it's a it's an emoji with a blonde flip of a hair is uh and then an emoji of a Cheeto, and then he gets nothing, 
And then he just, <laughs> he, he touches a mic and he just literally gets zapped and he wakes up and he's like, oh shit, all right, well, something's not fucking right. And he actually talks about it with the sister. Like, at least, at the very least, we got the ball, got the ball rolling and we're not hiding secrets anymore because she does pick up on this. <laughs> and later that night, they bring in another priest. And, I, and there you go again. I see another priest because I, I did read these two back to back and I almost thought, I was like, wait, am I reading the same issue? <laughs> Bringing in this weird priest for this exorcism. Um, and in this case, it's like, cool, they're in LA. Uh, and even the, the, the sister's just like, you seriously just die, like found a random priest that's good at exorcism in LA. Like, you're, you're a fucking idiot. Like, obviously, it's a scam. And the, but the priest is like, no, just like, literally, it's fine. As long as you, as long as we all just like literally believe it's gonna be fine with that kind of mentality, um, it's not gonna fucking work. He literally just like ignores all of her skepticism. Uh, and it turns out this dude is, like, is actually legit. So out of all the fake, all the, all the con artist priests in LA, he actually found a legit one. So at least thank God for that. And for nice. the story. Um, and, and it works. Uh, he's able, he's able to uh, expel the, the fucking, the, the, at least that spirit out of him. And instead of leaving, leaving him as a husk, he does have almost like a second chance of life. Um, and then the next day, uh, back on the mic, he just says another joke. And, it's back to crickets. Aww. And yeah, so and so so he and his sister go at, are at the bar just afterwards and just like and she's like even like I don't fucking get it. Like I thank God you're better, but you delivered it was this it was the exact same joke you said this whole week that you've had this thing that you had this thing and and now it's just gone. Like I don't fucking get it. And then she, and then she even like now opens up to him is like, yo, I, I lost my job too and rent is coming up and I don't think we can fucking do it. So prior gets the bright idea to call back the priest and like, yo, let's do the exorcism again, but obviously not the, not that bad spirit. Let's go with someone else. Now that I have like a better control, like at least a better take on it. It won't freak me out. And it's like, well, who the fuck am I to judge? I'm just a priest to, to do this, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and, I'm a priest in LA. Fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, so he's like, "All right, so you have anybody in mind?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure. How about one of my fav- my all time favorite comedian? Let's go with Lenny Bruce." And I was like, uh, "All right," and it fucking works. He starts, he starts doing the enchantment like over oh like this God. like crystal ball. Yeah, dude. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it starts working. He fucking like it, there's a really cool panel of him shooting out like a beam, like just almost like to trick to to trigger the the possession. Um, and yeah, like shit's just getting loud, and just like he's gonna close off the the incantation, and the shit just like kind of pops, and like prior goes down, and then the sister's like, "Yo, are you okay?" It's like, "Yeah, no, I'm good. I can feel him inside me, but I, I I think I'm in control. No, I am in control. Everything's all good." And he's like, "Yo, hey, Padre, you did it." And it turns out he was a little too close to the crystal ball, and it blew up in his face, and he's not responding, and that's where it ended. So it's like, oh shit. So cool. Like now we got the ball rolling. I was like with the plot and I, I can now I understand like the story more and I'm here to stay. Cause that sh- this shit was, is getting really, really interesting. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, that's knock him dead by aftershock. Awesome. That's your only two uh, for solo indies. Yeah. All right. Well, that takes us into the ones that we share. Now we're going to handle vault separately and on its own because we actually have a couple of vault books. So yeah. uh, let's go into, Homesick Pilots number three. Nice. One of Josue's favorite books. It's so good. Yeah. I really like it. I love the art. Um, I normally don't like stories being told off camera, if you will. 
Right. But I kind of like how we join her, you know, her whole job in process. Like she's she's gotten several of the artifacts for the town or for the 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 home right. already. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, and real quick, just a quick reminder. Obviously, published by Image, written by Dan Waters, drawn by Casper Wingard, uh, letter by Aditya Bidikar, and uh, I think Casper does the coloring as well. He does. Okay, so um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and we we get to spend a lot more time. Um, not with Amy, with the other members of the band, which I thought was pretty cool. I also like the whole like "what is punk" section of it. Oh, dude, I, I, <laughs> this better be a recurring theme, like at least like in every issue or every issue. There's always like some sort of jab or some sort of like at least like punk conversation and some uh, statement about some punk. statement about punk. Either you've thought about it, or you felt it, or you said it. It's I love it every single time. Yeah. These guys are tools, though. Let's make that clear. <laughs> oh, no. the, the, those guys are tools. I'm talking about the 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 other guy who's just like, no, I fucking hate music, dude. Like all of it. I listen to punk because it's because it is terrible. And these days, even even they're they're fucking that up. So it's like I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just kind of cool and a lot of a lot of imagery, a lot of like haunted house imagery in this one. In yeah. The house, like the person chopped up in the fridge and. All the ghosts in general, the little kid with the the toy and the person who hung themselves. It's just like, uh, it's just really creepy. And then, yeah. the, and then it all tops off with the vi- the haunted videotape at the end, which is just terrifying imagery. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really really digging this though. I'm loving Amy. I think she's a great character. Um, I think, I think he might end up joining her and helping her that'd be cool billy right yeah no that'd be really really cool yeah buzz right don't they call him buzz is buzz the drummer or is it or is it billy i thought i thought it was i thought he was buzz okay that might be i mean his name might be billy but he goes by buzz okay yeah it is that's that's exactly what it is so (laughs) um but yeah i really am really digging this uh and definitely uh definitely worth picking up especially like if you like a good horror story yes and a good debate about music. Like they basically in the middle of a horror story managed to have a debate about music every issue. It's That's really cool. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, really digging. Anything else you want to say about it? No, it's just it's, it's seriously on the rise to so one of my favorites. And it's honestly, yeah, I love my horror. I love all the like the weird aesthetics about the the creatures. But honestly, what makes what's been making it for me is those punk conversations. Yeah. I really like the design of Amy, like her her wardrobe and stuff. Right, yeah. I'm really really enjoying that. Oh so. no, the the full shot of like them as a band and her like around the middle with the guitar. Fuck yeah, she's she's really rad. Oh, and her talk them talking about their first performance. <laughs> so shitty. They, they're just shitty, but they just went for it, and I'm like, hell yeah, that's awesome. So I really dug that. Yeah, so. I love that. I have like two punk books right now. It's like this one and Terminal Punks. So it's like and 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 they also say like our first show was complete garbage as well. Yeah, that's great coming off that, and then we just got rid of getting it together too. So yeah, just kind of like all that together. It's been a lot of fun. So, um, our next independent book that we share is Radiant Black, number one, published by Image Comics, and written by Kyle Higgins, uh, drawn by Marcelo Costa, letter by Becca Carey, and uh, I don't have a colorer, so maybe the artist has their own coloring. Um, So. Um, 
I'll I'll open up and say a little bit, and then I want to kick it to you. But yeah, um, this is what I think we're missing right now in comics. Ooh, that's a good which, one. Which is a straight up superhero story that's not told by Marvel or DC. Yeah, like I think I think independent comics are great. Don't get me wrong, I love them, but I think independent comics have tried really hard to carve out a niche that isn't superheroes that we started to lose superheroes you know and i i really like that we got a new one and this one has a an origin story it's a you know it's an awesome cool traditional origin story um i love it it's really cool i like i like i love the character design i should say that um he has the the you know the the sidekick you know they all have a sidekick <laughs> like it again it kind of it's perfect like I, I really really enjoy that so uh what about you i want to know what you think um, the more I thought about it, even after I read it, um, the more I started to like it a lot more than I, I was going to. I wasn't going to be completely on board with this book. I really wasn't going to get it at first when it was first announced um, because it just seemed like the most boom book that isn't even boom. And I keep having to tell myself that, that it's like this is a book by image. And yeah, on the surface, it looks like the most one of the most boom books out there. Uh, but God damn it, is it written just like an image book? And I think that's what, that's what makes it so great. Um, it's, it feels like right at home with image. There's a, uh, I was at the comic book store when I was getting this one, somebody, somebody said it best where like image is kind of like your go-to for superheroes or just like, there aren't your traditional superheroes and it's kind of like where they go, but then they kind of lost that. Cause you're right. They kind of started making this niche on like having this niche on like writing other stories, which was, which has been great, but yeah, you're right. This has been missing. And honestly, I fucking love it. I love how serious it is. I just like how, how like the real conversations, like the real struggles uh, the main character goes through. There's like there's like a great scene of like after he just saved the day, he still feels like after all of his struggles in real life that like this is all he has now. And it's like, oh shit, like how real is that? So yeah, yeah. no, this book ends, ended up being a lot a lot more than I was gonna that was giving me credit for in the beginning. So like yeah, kudos to, to Kyle Higgins and Marcelo Costa because Radiant Black is great. Yeah, I and I like the um, just the very first shot. Like for those who don't know, the very first <laughs> yeah. shot of the book is showing how badly in debt he is. Basically, <laughs> it's like like you like everybody has see, has had this view to to some degree or another, and it's just like oh wow, okay, cool. Yeah, like we know exactly what's going on here. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I thought that was a really great uh, like start. It really like kicked it for you, so I, I I love it, dude. It was great. So did you read the the end, like the blackmail at all, or skimmed it to some? The what? I'm sorry. Like like his like uh, Kyle Higgins like blackmail at, at the end, um, like his little like letter at the end. No, honestly, there's so much going on that I I so many comics I oh yeah, yeah. I read a letter. It, 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 I won't go through the whole thing, but he kind of wants to like build off of this, like kind of wants to like build its own little like universe. Yeah. And you see, like in the bag, like the dragon, Re- dragon girl red. It's not written by him, but I, th- but I think it's gonna be it's gonna be connected to some way or another. And that's a Kickstarter, so yeah, just, we'll keep an eye on that. So <laughs> yeah, honestly, fuck yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah, no, I'm really digging it. Uh, so, um, move on from that one. Now we're gonna move into Vault. Um, we have a couple of Vault books. I'm gonna start with the one that I got that Josue did not because. Uh, I've been reviewing every issue, which is Heavy, number five. This book continues to trip me the fuck out, dude. Like, it just gets weirder and better and just so good. 
Um, so, quick reminder, this is published obviously by Vault Comics. Um, written by Max Bemis, drawn by Eric Donovan, colored by Chris Peter, letter by Taylor Esposito. So in the last issue, we find out that the first three and a half issues were all a flashback. So that was fun. Uh, so that kind of set up everything here. Um, our main character, long story short, ended up setting off a bomb in heaven <laughs> and separated heaven from the rest of reality, at least temporarily. And in this issue, he has to meet with God. And God is a little dude. A little huh. shrimpy dude. <laughs> and he's just like pissed at him for like blowing up his, you know, blowing up heaven basically. He's like, now we got to fix it all. And he's like, like, he, he makes a bunch of quips like, uh, your disappointment that I don't resemble Albus Dumbledore and stuff like that. <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> like, it's just really funny. And basically, you find out what he needs to do to kind of make up for it. And it involves his own life. The whole thing comes back to the main character. His, him and his wife were killed by a hitman, who is now his his uh, partner, partner, which yeah. is, is awkward. But you find out there's like this whole thing where all these alternate realities, and there's an alternate reality where he ha- where he left her and got in a car wreck and died. But in this one, he doesn't die, and he needs to make sure that he dies. Because basically, if they get back together, they give birth to a kid, and the kid's life is miserable, basically. And so the whole argument is that it would be better off if she, the kid never existed for her. And it's just like yeah. really weird and sad, and he has to make this epic decision at the end. And then the very end, it, the re- big revelation is uh, they get a new, I guess you could say, partner. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it says, "Yeah, I'd like you to meet your new partner," and it's an alternate reality version of his wife. Uh-huh. So just everything's going to hell. Like, and so this is the end of volume one, by the way. Oh, it keeps going. Cool. I, I will get this trade. Yeah, it's great. And the basically the dude that's ruined everything in the begin with. He he's been doing like um, uh, gathering an army of his alternate reality selves that they've been fighting for a couple issues. Um. He's still gathering an army, so he's going to be the big bad, I'm pretty sure. So, but yeah, it's great. And uh, like the whole like revelation that it was all a flashback was just insane to me. So, yeah, I love it though. It's it's a great book. It's it's very cheeky, is the word I will use. And Slim, his partner, is amazing. He's just like this, like. He's gambit if they really let him go at it with the sexual stuff. <laughs> like, oh no shit! Okay. Like he just he just goes at it. So I love it. It's great. So uh, highly complimentary of that one. So uh, okay, that's everything for that one. Next up, let's talk about I Walk with Monsters number three. Nice. Also published by Vault under the Nightfall imprint. Uh, written by Paul Cornell, one of my heroes. Uh, drawn by Sally Cantorino, letter by Ann World, and colorist by Dirbala Kelly. Um, so this one, if you guys remember, is the one where we have a young lady working with a guy who can transform into a monster or is a monster or something's going on there. And they basically take out uh, predators, guys who do horrible things. And um, they're slowly circling around a politician 
that is apparently an awful, awful person. And uh, that's kind of what they're trying to decide if they're going to do it or not. This one, we get a lot of flashback. Yeah. Uh, kind of developing the, the guy's character. Because we've seen a lot more for her than him. So uh, what do you think of it? Um, honestly, I know I, I did like it. I feel like it was needed. At least it did kind of like... I don't want to say like get closer with the with with our main cast because then it's like what you come to find out is that he's not just a monster physically, but at least he's trying to like redeem from like past at least like crude shit that he used to do. Uh, yeah, no, definitely like like all definitely symptoms of just like gaslighting every other girl he would meet, and then just like seeing how he is now. It seems like oh shit, he kind of wants to be better. But then I kind of but then you see how like how the the girl is almost like egging him on now. To, to do it. Yeah. Right? Because it's pretty much all they have. That's all each other has is mo- hunting these monsters. And they actually make make a point of that is kind of like, you know, um, I'm trying to find the specific thing. Uh, they say something along the lines of, let's see here. Oh, yeah, right here where he says, how would you feel if I said that maybe after we killed him, we th- then we could stop? Right. And it's kind of like, is that, you know, it, it, it's that whole thing. Once you dedicate yourself to this thing, we've seen it with like Punisher and the characters like that. Once you're dedicated to this, can you stop? Is there, is there an end? You know what I mean? Like, so, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it. Really good character development for the guy. I'll be honest. Um, I really enjoyed his character development because I, I definitely see little bits of teenage Keith in him that make me really ashamed of myself sometimes. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. I'm, I'm, I'm sure most guys will look at this and be like, oh, God. Like, cringe a little bit like, I did that. Right, like, right. basically be like, guys think it's romantic to stand outside their ex-girlfriend's house. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's creepy. <laughs> it's not you know as what fucking mean? fucked up. Yeah, so stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I, I, it cringed, but in the right amount. I wasn't like, you know... But then he he definitely progressed way further than me. I don't want anyone to think I'm a creep or anything like that. But <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, he was he was gaslighting girls. It's just horrible. And he is trying to you know do something better. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it though. Um, and again, I, I've, I always say I'm not a big horror fan, but um, I pretty much everything I've read from Nightfall has been pretty good. So it's pretty good, right? Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of character development, less about the horror. So. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the horror and the character development, uh, oh, we are man. we have to talk about the end of one of our favorite series, <sighs> From Vault, <clears throat> written by Sebastian Gurner, drawn by John Bivens, colored by Iris Monahan, letter by Jeff Powell. This is Devil's Red Bride number five. Why does why do the good ones have to come in an end? <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I'm going to kick it to you. Which oh, is- God. <laughs> what do I think of it? I mean, it was great. And it's like, just, I mean, I'm going to skip over to the ending, but just like, just when I think I'm going to get that type of ending, it just, the pages keep going. And it's like, oh, fuck. This book can just be described in one word. And that's just brutal. Mm-hmm. Like, every issue just kept stepping it up with just that brutal. Uh, yeah, no, I, I guess we get like, just like final reveals here. With like uh, Ketsuko, Ketsuo, and just how she was just really just gonna be married off. Just there was no question about it. It was just gonna happen, right? Mm-hmm. And then <sighs> she dons it. She is the murderer, right? 
That's the way I read it. Yeah. Ketsuko, in the end, like, all the shame, all this red, is just because in all of her desperation to not want to be married off, for her to be her own person, man, does she get possessed by the blade? And she finally, she gets revealed. She always she has to come to come to the, come with the facts that it was her that did it. And this whole time she's been on the run. That whole double betrayal with like this whole last mission, getting to like the the mother and the son who were there for something else. But and now it's almost like she wants to be like the good guy. But it's like there's no good guy in you. There, there's yeah. the yeah. Fuck- like the redemption again. We're coming back to redemption. Mm-hmm. You know, like. So and just uh, it just it made, it made me see. It. I wanted to go back to all of them. Where just like when she's just like rocking the red. It's like has that been like the the wedding dress this whole time and just like all that. Just like the devil's red bride. Because mm-hmm. she was like, yeah, it was a day she's gonna be wedded off, and it was like she was complete in white. And yeah, so it made sense. I'm just like oh, she never took it off. Fuck, it's just it was just so good. And again, like the the whole in the middle of issue, like the giant page of just like her just rock. Just, helming the mask and just god just going after the going after the bro or just seeing being in front of the brother just mm. no th- this book was just so something else really really cool yeah yeah i'm really enjoying it and i'm sad that it has to end i know uh, like uh, yeah like i, I mean, don't that- want to reveal the ending because it was just like like twist on a twist and just like but not uh, it was it was cool yeah yeah definitely um yeah unfortunate to see it go but i mean it's vault maybe they'll take another chance with it um, oh man i hope so but yeah. still it's one of those like those at the uh, again i was about to reveal the end and no because it's definitely definitely worth the pickup yeah um also like, quick update about something that we really enjoyed uh about um bleed them dry Dude, I was about to bring it up. Yes. Yeah, feel free. Go for go for it then. Oh, the the Japanese trade, the mm-hmm. 100 limited edition copy. Yeah. Yeah. I got it's 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 like a, a legit Japanese store. I've hit it up. It's, it's through pre order. I think I will definitely be be putting in my order after this recording because there's only 100 out of them, and I was not expecting that kind of website when I was clicking on it. Yeah. Legit, all the items are are in Japanese, so I have no idea what I was reading. I just okay. had to. T- so yeah, go for uh, it. You, Fill me in. you might have been on the wrong website. Oh no shit! I mean, I was going for the link that everybody's posting. Um, there's a link that a certain organization posted. Um, that is actually the Japanese version of that company. Oh. You can only pre-order it from the American version of that company. No shit. Okay. The the Japanese version replied to the tweet correcting the link. Okay, thank God. Yeah. So. <laughs> but anyway, it's a it's a it's a trade paperback of Bleed Them Dry with such a dope cover like wow like definitely worth a collector's item yeah it looks sick i I really want to get it too i've been thinking about it so we'll see uh but yeah um i definitely want to if we get it we'll definitely take some photos for you guys so (laughs) um that is all my indie books did you have any others uh indie solos no that was it awesome well we're gonna head over to dc yes all right, guys. So, future state has continued, and no number ones this week. So I'm only gonna I'm gonna give kind of brief opinions of the ones I got. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karazor L Superwoman number two. This is the final issue. 
Um, and you guys might remember I really, really enjoyed the first one. I also enjoyed this one quite a bit. Um, so written by Marguerite Bennett, drawn by Marguerite Sauvage, letter by Wes Abbott, and uh, no coloring. Uh, I guess, oh yeah, Marguerite does her own coloring. That's right. And the coloring in this is one of the stars of this book, by the way. Um, so basically, Kara started a, a society on the moon. She's being attacked by these aliens that are trying to take back one of their own. It's a very Superman kind of problem. And she has to come up with a unique solution to it. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into the dregs of that because it's it's like complex. Like I'd have to explain a lot. But <laughs> yeah. um, basically, in the end, she's able to save the the society on the moon. And this alien race actually comes and starts living amongst the society. And this fast forwards way past her lifetime in this story. Uh, it says decades, centuries, a millennium after she lived and died. So they, you see this grow into a garden on the moon, basically. And then it cuts to, which, oh, it's just such a, it got me a tiny bit emotional. Um, at the end, it, uh, remember this whole started when she was talking to Crypto's grave? And she was like, Crypto's the one who taught her the most, not not Clark, not, you know, any of the others. Crypto's the one that taught her, you know, who she should be. No shit. That's cool. And so it cuts to Crypto's grave, and next to his grave is her grave. And uh-huh. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, God damn you, DC. So, <laughs> um, but it was really good. It's, it's a very good book. Uh, it's only a two-parter. It's totally worth your picking up if you have any interest. Uh, Robin Eternal, number two, also a two-parter that's ending. Um Written by Megan Fitzmartin, penciled by Eddie Barrows, inked by Iber Ferreira, colored by Adriano Lucas, and lettered by Pat Brousseau. Uh, so last thing we saw was there's like Lazarus Pit drippings, basically. And they're collecting them to make the cybers in Gotham super powerful. Uh, Tim, because of course it's Tim, uh, gets killed by a cyber but gets thrown in the Lazarus Pit drippings. And it brings him back to life. And now he's insanely powerful. And also kind of crazy, like the Lazarus Pit does. It's actually interesting. He's like, is this what Jason felt like? And I was like, yeah, motherfucker. Like, and you were hard on him, you dick. So, um, yeah, it's him and Spoiler. And um, it's them just trying to stop the bad guys and stuff. And they end up doing so. They end up destroying the rest of the Lazarus Pit drippings. So it can't be used on anybody else. Then he falls into the water. And it's like it's almost like he died, but then his hand comes out of the water, like I'm alive. And then at the end of it, so um, it's a decent two part story. Um, it's a very good like Batman style story, and I love Spoiler. Uh, so she's one of my favorite characters in DC. So it's great to see her. Not a big Tim fan, but this I didn't hate it. So that's that's an accomplishment for a Tim book. So um, yeah, pretty good. Next up, Dark Detective, number three. This is still ongoing. Uh, but it should be because it's really, really good. Uh, written by Mariko Tamaki, drawn by Dan Mora, colored by Jordi Belair, letter by Aditya Bidikar. Um, so this is the one where Bruce is no longer Batman, but he's like doing like low tech investigation of everything, and he finds out that the magistrate has these cloaked uh, nano probes, nano drones, and they're basically watching everybody. He's able to hack into it and see what they see, and they can literally see everything. And so it, it's like, it's crazy. They know what everybody in the in the city is doing. He actually has a confrontation with the new Batman, which was really interesting, where they basically were like, stay out of my way. <laughs> of course they are. Yeah. And 
yeah, it just I really I really like her riding Bruce a DT Beta car, and I just hope I I'm so excited she's going to be doing Bat Detective Comics. I might even pick up a few issues. Like it's so good. Wait, um, who's writing it? Beta car is a letter, right? Uh oh, did I say Beta car? Sorry, I meant to say Mariko Tamaki. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Did you Beta car? Yeah, it does the, it does the lettering? My bad. I just like saying that name a lot. Uh, so. <laughs> and then the backup story for this one is Grifters Part 2. Written by Matthew Rosenberg, who is underrated for the record. I love him. Uh, drawn by Carmine Giandomenico. There we go. Uh, colored by Antonio Fabella and letter by Anne World. Um, this one is Luke Fox trying to escape Gotham and uses Grifter. I love that Grifter has become basically the gambit of DC. Or, no, he's even more the Hawkeye of DC, which is funny because we have Green Arrow, but other than the fact that they shoot bows, <laughs> Hawkeye and Green Arrow really don't have anything in common. Right? Yeah. But Grifter's way more like Hawkeye. And that's funny because Matthew Rosenberg's writing him and he just wrote the Hawkeye Freefall book. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it's this whole thing where Huntress is still mad at him for something and they're feuding and all this stuff. And their whole thing is to get Luke Fox out. Turns out Luke turned on them. And the whole thing was a trick to get Huntress. So he's working with the magistrate, basically. Oh. And Grifter turns on Luke and helps Huntress escape, and he's like, help her, or help people, basically, is what he tells her. So uh, I really dug it. Um, I love Grifter, though. And one thing I'm very excited about in these books, we, um, I'm sure you noticed we're getting these two-page double spreads of the next kind of era of DC Comics. Uh, what's it called? Oh, God. I'm going to blank. Uh, Infinite Frontier? Yeah, Infinite Frontier. So we're getting these double-page spreads of like the cast of characters for different areas. Oh, of... right. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah. A very prominent in the Batman one is Grifter. Uh, so I'm very excited to see where that goes. Uh, I love Grifter. So. Uh, next up, Green Lantern. we got three stories in this one. Um, first one is uh, the continuation of the Jon Stewart story, where he's trying to save this planet of people without you know the power of the ring none of them have ring powers and you get to see him actually do a bunch of cool action shit which is cool it's easy to forget that he's like a soldier um and it, it involves this cult of people who worship the red man basically and the red man ends up being orion not atrocic atroticus which i was that's who i thought it was going to be so um but yeah uh, pretty good written by jeffrey thorne drawn by tom rainey uh micah Teo on coloring and world by lettering the backup story is Teen Lantern. Do you know who Teen Lantern is? No. It's like a little kid. Um, little girl. I think it's a girl. Um, who found a gauntlet that gives them Green Lantern powers. And oh. they're all trying to figure out how to handle this. And basically, the idea is Mogo was going to take this kid to go visit the other Green Lanterns to see what they're going to do. And while they're traveling the lantern battery dies, so Mogu loses all his power, so this kid is just trapped on a planet in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Um, so it's, it's cool. It's pretty cool. Mogu is still alive. It's just very, like, barely. Um, pretty fun little backup story. I think it's a one-shot. So, And then we got a uh, thing at the end, which is a story with Hal Jordan. And we finally see Hal Jordan in the in this uh, in, uh, future Ooh, okay. And uh, Written by Robert Vendetti, drawn by Dexter Soy, colored by Alex Sinclair, and letter by Steve Wands. Um, so yeah, basically he's—it's just him flying through space. Um, um, 
Let's see here. Uh, he basically, I, I need to know the timeline of this because basically in the end, he gets confronted by Joe, uh, Sojourner from yeah. um, Par Sector. And she's like, you're Hal Jordan. And then she's like, has her fist raised. She's like, where were you when the corpse needed you? So ooh. it's kind of like, ooh. And that says to be continued in Green Lantern 2021. So uh, I don't know if that's done for as far as future state goes. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. But that's the it's kind of an, more of an anthology book than the others this week. So a couple different stories. Uh, that leads us to the ones that we share. And I would like to start with Justice League. Ooh, okay. Uh, before we go into it, um, I wanted to point out the, um, that double spread, the Infinite Frontier for like the Batman uh, family. The yeah. uh, fucking Damien suit is really cool. Like, yeah, it's all, dude. It's sophisticated. And instead of just like, oh, well, he's a kid, so just slap on the Robin suit, the Robin, the Robin tights. It's like, no, nah, give him his own identity because this one looks really fucking dope. Damien's great. I love Damien. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I mean, we can quickly talk about them because I like, honestly, I've seen three different two double page spreads i think it's one this. for the trinity one, one for each yeah and then then there's one for justice league oh okay so. for the main one yeah, um so. the superman one the t- speaking of people who are prim- prominent that just like really are weird to stick out fucking uh shazam it's just like has like his own like center spot on one of the on one of them oh no yeah. that, that is the justice league one okay never mind yeah i think i was gonna say that's the justice league one um yeah, no, I'm really excited about the Batman one. There's a, like a lot of really cool. Um, let me see here. This is like a lot of cool. Like, oh, these character designs are really cool. And there's a bunch of characters, so they're going to be able to do a lot with. Them. I need to get the load on who that, that ghost killer is or ghost maker is because it's, one, yeah. it's like the newest one. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Justice League. Um, see here so yeah justice league and it once again this is one i i will easily say i don't i i'm upset that it's only a two-part story yeah i really wanted a lot more from this um so that's a good thing um so uh, really quick i'm pulling up the creative team I hate it when they put it at the end okay <laughs> written by joshua williamson uh penciled by robson rocha uh, inked by daniel henriquez uh colored by romulo fajardo jr and lettered by tom napolitano um, I I thought this was really cool. I liked the the little character touches in it. This is my kind of Justice League story, mm-hmm. where they ha- they are all individual people and they have to come together and work together. Maybe. Yes, that's that's Justice League for me. So um, I really enjoyed it. I love I love the the roster. I think it's a vast improvement over a normal just Justice League roster. As far as I don't really care about Bruce, I don't really care about Clark. You know what I mean? Like all the replacements are great. I love John Ken as Superman. I'm just falling more and more in love with that character. So Oh, he's perfect um, for the role. He's great. He's just a lot of fun. So um yeah, what, what do you what do you think of the story? Honestly, I really love like them bouncing back and forth from each other. Like just the dialogue is just I, I that, that's why I, that, I agree with when you say like it's, it sucks that it's just a two-parter when uh, those Batman books got four and it's like at the very least like may, Justice League should have gotten like this like, a third issue because yeah I I do like this, this roster this iteration of the, of the team is really cool again like each person is their own identity and like the fact that how they figure each other out especially to to kind of like, overcome like the obstacle here it just worked and like I love like the cleverness out of all of them yeah I love a uh, Flash being like. And he talks in her sleep. I'm like, <laughs> such a great way to be like, we're sleeping together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I really, really dig it. Um, 
I will say that, um, like, I didn't get enough Joe in this one for me. Yeah. That was the only thing I would say. I, w- I wanted a little bit more Joe and a little more Andy, but Andy does have her own book, so I guess that's okay. Did she kind of come off as, like, the leader? Like, Joe? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. She comes right? off, she's kind of the Batman. Like, like right. Batman's it's, not the Batman. She you, is. You have, like, your Batman, or sometimes some people want to argue, well, obviously Superman should be the leader, but the way Joe, like, just commands, like, the conversation or, like, the team up and be like, yo, let's, let's talk about the shit for real. And I think that to some degree, they almost, like, they reference her as, like, a leader of sorts. So I'm all for that. If Joe is the leader of this team, I'll for sure be behind this book. Totally. Same. Exact same. The one thing, and this is just a little tate, a little touch of a thing, and I, I don't want to step on toes because th- there could be, obviously, creative direction behind this kind of stuff. Um at the end, the whole the whole conclusion is that they need to get to know each other mm-hmm. and not hide their identities, which I really liked. I liked that that was the conclusion of this arc because that made sense to me. Yeah, and they decide to have dinner together. Maybe it's the Marvel fan in me, but I would have really liked to have seen them in the real world, like a restaurant having dinner together, not oh, okay. in the Hall of Justice having dinner together, because it still feels like they're all separate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But it did facilitate in the end where they're basically like, well, who else are we going to invite to join the Justice League? Which I thought was pretty cool. So, um, that's like, my one little touch. I would have liked them all in like in civ- civilian clothes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right, right. Like that, that would have been a really cool shot. But that's just a personal touch. It's not even a, a, a criticism. So, yeah, not here. Yeah. Uh, anything else for this one? Uh, no, I, I, I was kind of just confused over on the in the the first time I ran where it was just like, they were doing like the whole swap and like the bait and switch. And I mean, I'm, just, I'm glad how it all made sense on this one. Cause yeah, I just want more out of this team. It's like a cool new young team. And, but again, like each identity is their own voice. And that's kind of like what made me more interested over like, how is this justice league going to prevail? It's like, I was more focused on like, who are these people? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cause I mean, we can assume the problem with future state is that, you know, it, nothing matters <laughs> like yeah it, it's not gonna matter in the end and that sucks but it is fun getting to know the characters you know what i mean oh for so, sure yeah and then we have the backup story for justice league dark now i enjoyed it but i'll be flat out honest i enjoyed the 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 first story better the yeah. justice league story just like dark's great and if you're really into those characters it's awesome and it's got some really great you know magical storytelling but I just really enjoyed the primary Justice League team quite a bit, so this was kind of like a slog a little bit for me. Yeah, um, not even like in a bad way. It's just kind of like I just want more Justice League. It was, re- and this so. one is only really about between like two people, maybe even three, if you include like the the part with Chimp. Yeah, exactly. It didn't so. really feel like a whole like the like Constantine really isn't in it at all, or, or Zatanna's barely in it at all. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I hear you. Uh, there is a really funny part where. Um, Zatanna yells Red Hunt, and I'm like, Red Hunt? And I was like, is there a character named Red Hunt? And I realized it was Thunder backwards. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's the the problem when real words are, are, you know, different words backwards. Yeah, no. Yeah. I was like, Red Hunt? Like, oh, is that a cool character's name? Dude, I want to know about Red Hunt. (laughs) (laughs) When I'm on a good, like, uh, Shonen binge, and it's like, oh, time to go stop over to my comics. I'll flip the page the other way sometimes. Like, ah, oh, fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so pretty good overall. Um, obviously, oh, I should do the creative team for the Justice League Dark. And I want to make it clear as I do that, um, it was good. I just yeah. really wanted more Justice League. <laughs> so, I know. 
Um, written by Ram V. Artist is Marcio Takara. Uh, oh, by the way, the art was excellent, too. Um, color, coloring by Marcelo Maiolo and lettering by Rob Lay. So um, that takes us over to our next two. And I want to talk about Superman Wonder Woman first. Yes. Uh, Superman Wonder Woman number two. Once again, I'm pretty sure this is the end of the story, and I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I want more, please. Um, so we'll talk about the creative team. Da, da, da. Once again, I think it's in the back. Stop doing that. Written by Dan Waters. Uh, drawn by Leila Del Duca. Uh, colored by Nick Filardi. Letter by Tom Napolitano. Um, this is our last Yara Floor story <laughs> no. for your future state. Um, so... I just let's just say Yara Flora is the MVP of Future State. Let's just get that out of the way. Yes, she, she was amazing and everything, so that's great. I loved this story. This is exactly what a Superman Wonder Woman story team up should be. Um, it also really emphasized to me once again how great John Kent is as Superman because he can't do everything, right? And he does need help, and he's also young and inexperienced. So you know they had to work together, and I love the whole like let's swap villains. <laughs> to make sure we get the stuff done like that makes sense to me so i really enjoyed this and i loved the um little side bit about the uh um the planet that needs him to fire the little thing every day or it'll get consumed by a black hole um i really liked that as a story and i like that that's something he took on to himself and yeah i just really enjoyed everything about this it's great character development i love that yara floor is so outspoken and just energetic and a shit talker basically like I, there's not a really easier way to say it she's just out there and i fucking love it so i hope that um, never changes yeah exactly um but yeah dude i really 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 enjoyed this book uh, what about yourself no you know you're right like the the fucking part where they show that such a minuscule task that you have to do every morning but it's like but if he fucks up it, it'll literally be the the whole world to him and that would just suck. And it's just like, again, like it's a Superman that can do everything, but this is a, a new young Superman that is just trying to do everything. And I, I like that that was like its own lesson learned that it's just like, it's okay to just like to, to share the load, especially with some, someone who can just, who is just as capable. Yeah, definitely. And then like, yeah, the whole swap, like swap the villains and then it ended up working way better for both of them in the end. Fucking Superman just like struggling on the race and just be like, Oh yeah, no, like done. Yeah, <laughs> like throwing a couple extra laps. Like I was like, and, and even then, like, like his proof. Where it's like you fucking cheated, and it's like, uh, all right, then let me just go punch you in the face. But like, I'm not even okay. at you. We have to talk about that. Okay, so, <laughs> so the guy he's racing is the Brazilian god of the sun, mm -hmm. and basically they get into an argument after the race because Superman won and the guy's pissed off, and Superman goes to punch him, but does he punch him? No. no. <laughs> he flies and punches the surface of the sun, the real sun. and the dude feels it. I That was so ludicrous. I loved it. But it like, was like that golden age ludicrous of Superman. Oh, it was great. It was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. And I like how she points out she's like, you're like a scientific, like really smart guy. And that was, that was like a very religious thing to do, basically. Yeah. And he's like, yep. <laughs> and that was like a really cool like piece of conversation back in the first part too of like when she was like you have to believe in it and it's like and he was just like no it's all science and space shit like it's like religion like that's weird uh but in this case i like how it was like yeah flipped um also it was like there should have been some implications because when the two sons were racing around and there was 
obviously some catastrophic shit happening around the world. I feel like this punch should have like something should have happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe, but maybe that's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun when Superman Hon- does it. Honestly, I, I was just having so much fun with the book that I'm like, cool, okay, I don't care. Yeah, like, like I'll let that one go. So, yeah, great book. Really enjoyed that. Uh, Want to see more from both of these characters? So, yeah, not for sure. That brings us to our final DC book, and this one you read Shazam, right? Yes. Okay, so this one answered some some questions for us. Oh wait, did I? No, the future state Shazam. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, oh no, that's right, because I remember describing it to you. So, Teen Titans number two. This also seems to be a final issue, which once again, shame. Uh, this one is written by Tim Sheridan, penciled by Rafa Sandoval, inked by Julio Ferreira, colors by Alejandro Sanchez, and letters by Rob Lay. Um, I, I really enjoyed this one. This is the first time ever I like Bunker. He's, <laughs> he's one of my least favorite DC characters, but he was pretty great in this. I liked when he made like trapeze shit for Robin or yeah, well, Nightwing to swing on. You mean like Death I thought Wing. Deathwing? No, Dickstroke. Oh my that god, was, dude! Yes, that was the that best. Was so, so fucking funny. Like, because I was like, I was reading, I'm like, oh, Deathwing, that is actually pretty cool. It makes so much sense with the whole suit. And then, huh, should have gone with Deathstroke. Ah, die, dude. And we're barely off age one. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, basically we find out this ties into Flash. This ties into Black Adam. It ties into Shazam. This is one of the big stories for Future State. Where basically the four horsemen of the apocalypse are out there wrecking shit. And we know that Wally is famine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that from Flash. Um, and then... In Shazam, we find out that Shazam is guarding the gates to hell, but we don't know why. This is why. Hmm. So basically, in the end, they managed to get all of the um, all of the uh, horsemen to combine. Long story short, with some sacrifices, they're able to trap them in hell, and Shazam is going to stand at the door to hell and basically keep them there forever. <laughs> um, so that's cool. The story is cool. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but, but, the thing we need to talk about <laughs> is that incredible double-page spread. Oh, man. So, basically, they have the, um, they have the H-dial, and apparently the kids modified it during Halloween, and basically the H-dial, you dial, like, someone's name, and it calls them, and since they modified it during Halloween, I guess it can contact the dead. And so, like, what are they dialing? And it's 848-267-Titans. <laughs> and then it's this awesome shot of all the dead Titans coming back to life and helping them one last time. And I was like, oh, my God. I fucking loved this shot so much. <laughs> it was awesome. I just sat here picking it apart. And I hate <laughs> Donna Troy, and she's front and center. And I still loved it. So, uh, And also Wally. So, you know. That proves he is dead. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah. And also, Imiko's there, who just died. <laughs> like, so, like three pages before that. So, yeah. Uh, I really dug this book, though. What, what did you think? Uh, no, it was it, it was really cool. But uh, yeah, probably reading Shazam would have been really, probably a little a little cooler, especially with that with that ending. Um, who 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 the fuck is Red X? That's just it. They didn't tell us. They went above and beyond to really mask over like his face. Yep. I think it's going to be a big deal. 
Right. So here's my thing, and this is just, you know, my my issue. Um, they hint that something bad happened to Damien, like he died. Yeah. I hope that's Damien. I, mean, I was wondering if it was going to be Damien. It'd be like the coolest like bad boy move, too, to just like don this bad boy Dick Grayson suit. Uh, I, I'd fucking love it. Yeah. I'm just he really... always he always liked Dick. Yeah, Damien always looked up to Dick. That's the one thing. Ooh, so, so if Dick breaks, kind of like breaks character by like donning a Deathstroke suit, and the way he looks up to him is like maybe I can like be his underling as Red X. That'd be oh man, okay, cool. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah, because if you look at when when Dick was Batman and they had to work together, mm-hmm. there was like a begrudging respect eventually between them. Oh yeah. Which is great, and he always liked him way more than Tim and stuff like that. So, I, I would totally see that. I, I I really like this one so much so that I, I had to go with the variant for this one. It's just like a just straight up the red X, uh, like on it. Oh yeah, yeah, it's really cool. I will actually say I, I I ended up picking up the reprint variant for Superwoman number one because oh, cool. it's like a sketch cover and it's this amazing color of blue that i just love so i picked it up nice um, so yeah i'm wondering since like this one kind of tied up with we, we said flash and shazam and we kind of get this weird ending where it's like find out how it all happens with teen titans academy almost like yeah. at the start of this and probably for like at the start for infinite frontier so it's kind of like whenever the big dc event happens for this it's almost like they can easily either skip over it or go really easy with it and be like, uh-uh, you guys already said you liked it because you read what already happens in the end, and we do the build-up. So it's kind of like, yeah, no, you're right, DC. We can't complain down the line when you probably mess up that storyline, too. Oh, they'll change it. Yeah. They'll be like, we already know what happens, so let's fix it, and it doesn't happen. But there was nothing wrong here. It was it was all fucking cool. Just fill in the details that we want. Don't change everything all over it. <laughs> I know, man. I know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was great. No, it was so. cool. Um. Next up, that's all our DC, huh? I think so. Man, we're blowing through this. All right, let's talk about our Marvel books. Yes. Uh, now you. Oh, before we get to Marvel, uh, we're gonna talk about it more on our next episode. But I want Josue to give us his first impressions of Seven Secrets. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I finally found all six issues. Uh, cover A, so I wouldn't have to like put my grimy hands on the Jen Bartel cover. Uh, yeah, variant. So. <laughs> It's fucking awesome. Like, god damn was I missing out. And before we get into all the secrets, because we'll save that for later, it's mm-hmm. but at the same time, that's you're there for the secrets, right? You want to know what those seven secrets are. But every single time it just keeps like throwing these little other bits at you that you weren't really asking for, but are just as important. And you're just like, well, this is just like more interesting at the same time, but you're just like, what am I really following here? It, it, it's really great. Like, definitely, yeah. highly recommend Seven Secrets. I want to ask you about the uh, the character designs. Oh, they're uh, all fucking great, aren't they? Don't you fucking love Kanto? Can- oh man, Kanto's great. Uh, Sigurd, the right Sigurd. Yeah, yeah, the, he, the man. He's a fucking dope, dope dude. <laughs> yeah, it's so good, dude. Like, I really enjoy it quite a bit, and just oh. Just it breaks my heart too because like there's a lot of tragedy, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, just like, but... it's really cool. It's just like what you weren't really expecting, what you're looking for is always just going to be pre- it's just going to be like presented next, and you're just like, oh shit, well, 
yeah, you, it's like it's everything you weren't expecting. It's just there, and it's really cool. And if it ever gets adapted, I would love Justice Smith to fucking portray uh, <sighs> the dude. He'd be so good at that. Yeah, totally. Also, because he's like biracial, like like in the in that way, in the exact same way. So yes. Yeah, definitely. Like, oh, just I just love it. He'd be so amazing. Good, so. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So um. So yeah, I wanted you to go ahead and start us off with Marvel because you wanted to give us a Spider-Man update. Yes, I finally got got up got an update with some Spidey reads. Uh, I'll start with Miles Morales. Uh, last, pretty much like picking up where we left off is kind of finishing up the Ultimatum story. Um, Ultimatum, who is the Marvel six one six Miles Morales, so technically the real Miles Morales, depending depending on your view of the MU. Even though we all love Ultimate Miles Morales. Anyway, he he gives him an offer, um, pretty much like a one-way trip back back to the MU ten sixteen with his family, but then refusing because he's still kind of still rewired that this is the real world, um, and then so much shit that he just can't leave behind, just like just like that. They obviously fight, and there's a fight, and but he's ultimate is backed up by Ultimate Green Goblin, and then his Goblin noise that he just like there's just like an army of just like regular people people that got turned. Um, but at least Miles isn't isn't by himself. He's accompanied by uh, his dad, which is some super dope um, spy gun. Bombshell and Starling are there, and fucking Cap. Nice. So yeah, and then going into like the finale into the next issue. Um, at the end of the fight, pretty much Prowler decides that the only way to stop the the whole machine, even like what Ultimate is offering him, is to over over override the machine with his suit. Uh. And so he basically just dives in, just dives head first into Green Goblin and Ultimatum, and he pushes through. The, he pushes through the, the the portal, and then pretty much only rubble is left, and the, all the goblinoids get reverted back. And it sucks because like pretty much like uh, Prowler, like Uncle Aaron's last words were like, "Hey, like whenever your sister's old enough, just let her know that that she met her her cool uncle at least like once." And that's when he just like, and that's when he just like dives in. It's just like sucks because. He really got a cool, a cool redemption arc where he started as like a piece of shit villain back in the Ultimate Universe at the beginning of Miles' story. Um, he was like his like his own twist. Yeah, it, it's, it has been like its own twisted Uncle Ben. Um, but yeah, and about after a week, uh, Jeff, my, oh, Miles' dad, uh, they're having breakfast and he tries to bring it up again. And Miles is just like, he's just like not ready. And his mom kind of picks up on it and just offers him to to hold his, his sister. And like, you know, this will... She's family, obviously. Like, it's, it's, it sucks all right now, but this will probably make it feel better. And then as he's holding her, he remembers, like, he remembers Uncle Aaron, obviously, as who he's grieving. And like, the you can just there's no thought bubble, there's no narration or like a little flashback, but you can just see that he's thinking about his last words. And he just he just starts crying, like just looking at her, and like all the family embraces each other. And it's it's, it's fucking sad, but it's such a powerful scene for a uh, for a Spider Man story. Yeah. Um. But later, later that night, he sneaks back into the to the crime scene. And he starts monologuing and kind of he kind of contemplates whether he's he kind of still wants to be Spider-Man or not. Um, so then we get and then the last issue I read for his was uh, issue 22, 262 uh, for the legacy numbering. Um, it's kind of a, its own single story. It's, it's actually pretty cool how it still develops more on the on the Morales family. Uh, Jeff, he lets Miles know that he's he legally changed his name to to Morales as well as like a start over. And Miles is kind of confused about it. It's like, well, like. Like why almost like didn't Uncle Aaron just die? You're almost like forget, kind of saying you're forgetting him as well. And it's an honest question too, but he's kind of like, to be honest, it was your Uncle Aaron that wanted me to change it to begin with, 
as like so as a way to kind of step away from the negativity that was like uh, uh, um, from that side of the family um and then but and the friend then the other thing was that back at the fight cap recognized who he was just because he's fucking cap of course but he recognized who he was back from like uh, when he was a shield agent so it's like if it was that easy for Cap, it's like might as well just start literally start over and start to keep this family a, a little bit safer. And it's actually really, like very understanding. So it's like damn, like I don't know, it's, it's really cool. We're just kind of like moving like these moving pieces forward with uh, with the Morales. Uh, but yeah, but anyway, he goes out on patrol with Starling uh, because Genki, Judge, and Barbara, who is Miles' ex, or he's like yeah, ex girlfriend. Like, it sounds fucked up, but he just he literally just didn't have time for her. But it just—it just sounds so fucked up. But just, like, we know he's Spider-Man. But it's not he was like really intentionally blowing her off. Is we know he's not that kind of a guy. It was almost like he kind of inadvertently said like yes to kind of going out with her, and it became this kind of this awkward thing where he kind of wasn't ready, but he was interested, and it's just like I probably should have thought thought this through, and in the end, it didn't work out. But anyway, they're at this cradle meeting to kind of maybe drop some like Spider-Man charges. I forget what they're really there for. Uh, meanwhile, Spider-Man is with Starling, and they fight. Um, fucking Frost Pharaoh comes back, but I think he realized how his whole image is just very appropriating and very inappropriate. He's now going by Ice God, which is just like, okay, never mind. He's, you're not changing your clothes, but okay, whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, after their cradle meeting, uh, Genki and Barb go have a bite, and they kind of have a moment. So, and it kind of and then switches over, and then to Sp- back to Spider-Man after their fight, um, Starling shares that she doesn't really feel better, but she doesn't feel worse either because she's also dealing with the whole um, outlawed and cradle stuff too. She, um, she shares her name with him and then he unmasks and shares his too just to kind of make it feel better. And then she's struck by by his cuteness and she literally just kisses and dips and is like, oh, well, okay. Um, and then to wrap this up now, um, he goes, like, Miles goes, heads back to the dorm and he realizes that everybody is fucking gone. Uh, he goes back to his room and then only Genki's there. He's just like alone and there's been like an alien alien evac. Uh, but Genki just has something he needs to get out of his chest when a fucking dragon shows up. A big black one. <laughs> and that's where uh, he gets left out. Oh, uh, you were waiting for that. For yeah. it to cross over into the actual Spider-Man stuff. At least so. to one of the Spider-Man books. <laughs> like, jeez. Because, uh, yeah, because now going into like the regular ASM for Amazing Spider-Man, it's just really quick. It's just two issues. Uh, we know that... Uh, um, Kindred is Harry. Uh, uh, Norman Osborn has been cleaned out by the Sin Eater uh, of all the sins. So he's literally Norman. Seems like he wants to actually try to fix his family. Uh, but because it's like that was it, because somehow Peter and Norman finally broke the camel's back and Harry finally just succumbed to this Kindred thing. Peter was just like, don't you ever fucking come near me or anybody I actually, I really care about Norman or it'll be the worst fucking thing for you. Uh, and last, and then the last cliffhanger was uh, back at Feast, uh, Martin Lee shows up at uh, Aunt, Aunt, Aunt May's footsteps, uh, uh, fucking doorsteps. is like, oh, shit. So, uh, so he got uh, he got his powers removed, right? He got cleaned out, too. Martin Lee got cleaned yeah, out, yeah. too. Um, and the reason, and almost kind of the reason why he kind of went back to Feast is to kind of cower away for a second. Uh, he kind of, op- he opens up to Aunt May that, uh, that the the feast location is technically to some degree like sacred land so like his little like like um sin spirit is literally just like kind of like hovering over it and just like trying to like literally trying to find its way through to get back into martin lee and 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 all but he also had an episode where he kind of blacked out 
and he kind of has like a um a, he has a feeling that his that the mr negative side of him made a call out to come to feast to get martin lee out uh so yeah so that's kind of brewing and back with peter parker he goes over to uh liz's place uh harry's wife's place to literally tell her everything uh, everything about kindred and she's not buying and she doesn't buy it she's just like you're fucking lying i've seen him well not recently he's on he's out in i think he's he's in Paris. he's in europe again um anyway, i've talked to him it's fine and that's when normie the son shows up and it's like no he's lying again and he shows and he because he's been following him around he shows him a closet full of gliders and pumpkin bombs and she's like fuck me i've been yeah i've been lied to this she's pretty much like this family fucking sucks when ding dong fucking norman shows up and peter's just like i thought i fucking told you to keep away from me and anyone i care about that includes them (laughs) (laughs) um but like peter has this weird moment not weird but it's just like when he is exploding on norman to just like i told I, i told you to fuck off and by the same time, that inc- that includes now Harry as well. I told you I don't want to be a part of you or that anymore. I'm done. I'm done helping out Harry, and that, that's the only part that really stuck out with me. I was just like, damn. Like, I mean, Kindred has been pushing him, has been inserting all these fucked up nightmares into him too, and in anyone he loves. So I can kind of understand why he's just like maybe Kindred is like now like a new full on bad guy that he just wants to cut ties with. Uh, but Norman's also just there to be like, yo. Um, you know that I work for uh, for Fisk. I overheard that there might be some sort of criminal uh, activity heading over to Feast. Wink, wink. <laughs> and so, yeah, he's like, all right, dip. And he goes over to rescue Aunt May. Um, and pretty much, like, he's... Once he gets there, he's, like, overwhelmed with all the with all the Mr. Negative's people. And Mr. Negative's just, like, kind of has, has to, like, do, like, almost a self-sacrifice in order to save the day because one of the dudes got to Aunt May and is about to kill her when martin lee kind of orders everybody to stop and he's like fine i'll do it and he ste- he literally steps outside and just succumbs to his sins and he cut and he turns back into mr negative um but because like fisk and all of new york's forces are there they're able to take him away and yeah like peter's able to also sneak away but there's uh, yeah that's pretty much like that's where it ends with that and there's at the end there's a moment where between norman and normie but I'm just wondering where are Norman's sins? Cause that's the only one that, that hasn't really been popped out. Everybody's back to normal except for him. And I'm wondering if he hasn't shown any signs either, but back in, um, when was it? Dan slots, uh, finale run, uh, when Norman Osborn turned into like a green goblin carnage thing. And it, it, it possessed Normie, uh, for a second. So I'm wondering if part of like that codex was implanted into him as well. And the sins are in, are in Normie. That's just my guess right now. Uh, that's just two issues into the arc is called Negative Space. Uh, so yeah, that's my Spider-Man update. Nice. Okay, so we're going to talk about our solo um, Marvels. That was your pretty much only solo Marvel, so I have a stack here. Um, I'm going to start off with Taskmaster. Actually, I only have two solos, I forgot. Um, so yeah, never mind. Uh, Taskmaster, number three. Um Written by Jed McKay, drawn by Alessandro Viti, colored by Guru EFX, and the letter by Joe Caramagna. Um, this is the continuing mini of uh, Taskmaster and everything going on. Maria Hill's dead. Everybody thinks he did it. Nick Fury's got his back, but Nick Fury has him doing undercover stuff. Um, 
he has to go to South America, or not South America, sorry, South Korea, and get the key for this uh, specific uh, thing we had to open. We've talked about it before. I don't want to get too much into it. It's really funny, though. Um, Taskmaster's Taskmaster. Like, it, it's it's very much the fun Taskmaster, in case you've, you're familiar with any more, more than one kind of style of telling Taskmaster. Like a power pack? I can't wait for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, he gets in a fight with... Um, White Fox, who is a, a Korean superhero. She's great. She's kind of like a Hellcat, I guess. And so they get into like a, a fight, and there's a page I took a picture of earlier. I'm going to have to send it to you. I took a picture just to remind myself to send it to you in this, in this conversation. So remember in Iron Fist, where it's like the bit where he's doing all the moves, and it's like, you know, five-star finger, you know, like, thrust, or, you right. know, it's all the crazy names. This is the Taskmaster version of it. And it just killed me the entire time I was reading it. For those who don't... One don't time. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't see the panel, it's him punching her and says, that punch I saw one time. That kick Iron Fist uses. That throw the Cap used to throw me out a window. That stomp I saw Chang chi do. Like, it's so great. Fucking amazing. And then, he, and then he says, I wish I knew the names of all these moves. <laughs> like, he literally <laughs> says that. Like, it's great. Um, that is so yeah, they, cool. <laughs> But they have this cool fist fight, and then Black Widow shows up. Black Widow wants to kill him because she thinks he killed Maria Hill. So he's, like, stuck between these two women. Well, he had a plan, and he basically turned a bunch of terrorists into a psychic bomb, basically, to knock everybody out for a while. But he has plating, so it didn't work against him. And so he's going to leave. He has what he needs, and Black Widow's unconscious, and he's like, I could kill her right now. He's like she, because she's the one that's been hunting him the whole time. He's like she'll never, she'll never hunt me again. I can tell Fury to fuck off, and he's like, no, no, I'm not doing it. And so he goes to leave, and he takes a moment with his sword to write, "I didn't kill Maria Hill" into the wall. So, next up okay. is Wakanda. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Oh, he's going to Wakanda. Okay. He has to get because the key is he has to be able to walk and move like three different people. Huh. Okay. And the first one was Phil Coulson. Uh, the chick from South Korea was the second one. And the last one is Okoye. Oh, shit. Okay. So, yeah. It's going to be interesting. Uh, so, my other solo book is Morbius Bond of Blood. Number one. I believe, don't quote me on this, this is a one-shot. Um, it felt like a one-shot. So, um, it's It kind of just really sets you up and tells you who he is again. It it kind of builds on his story a little bit. Um, gives a bit of a... Uh, um, bit of closure to some of his origin, if you're familiar with it. Basically, he ends up killing one of his best friends when he becomes Morbius. And he's been taking care of the, the guy's son from a distance. Well, the kid's dying of a rare blood disease. So now he has to find a cure for it. I mean, kind of gives some closure on that. Um, it's pretty good. The one thing I really, really enjoy about it is... Well, let me go through the creative team real quick. Written by Ralph Macchio. Not that Ralph Macchio. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> the good Ralph Macchio. Uh, uh, artist is Tom Riley. Uh, Colory is Chris O'Halloran. And lettering is Ariana Mayer. The one thing I love about this, Josue, and I'm going to send you... Uh, screenshot of this is the way 
like they changed the design a little bit and i love the eyes it's almost manga like is the way they did it so uh, while you look at that i'll describe it as a oh uh, i see just gigantic bloodshot red eyes like horror manga if, if anything it's really cool yeah so that 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 was the one thing that I really really enjoyed, and part of me is like, is that what he's going to look like in the movie? Oh, no, I would. That'd that's be cool. pretty dope. So, but yeah, it's a pretty self-contained story. It's enjoyable. It it's a good book if you are excited for the movie and you want to know exactly who this guy is. Then this is a really good book for that. Um, nothing new and revolutionary. The bad guy he fights is uh, Mister Hyde. So oh, okay, the Spider-Man yeah, show uh, up? No. Okay. Um, so yeah, pretty good. Um, that's my two solo Marvels. Now we're going to get to our shared Marvels. Ooh. Okay. Power Pack, number three. Nice. Part, part of Outlawed. Uh, I'm really enjoying Power Pack because it's a great uh, little refreshing, not like low stakes, things are kind of fun kind of story. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there first. Um, quickly, we'll go through our character uh, or our creative team. Uh, Ryan North writing, Nico Leon drawing, Rochelle Rosenberg coloring, and Travis Lanham lettering. Um, this one's told from the story of Julie Power. And uh, as I've said in the past, Julie Power was probably my first comic book crush. Aww. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a shame. <laughs> Good for her, though. Live your truth, honey. Yes. So anyways, um, <laughs> um I mean, she's fake. So. <laughs> but, but, um, basically, as part of Outlaw, they discovered they can't do anything without um, without uh, a mentor. So they meet a mentor, and it's was it Captain Aether? Captain Aether, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Oh, I'll do. I'll be your your sponsor." And we're like, "How come we've never heard of this guy?" Well, we found out last issue, he's actually the wizard in disguise. Mm. And he basically convinces them, hey, you can you can basically make a bunch of power. Like, for people who need power, why don't you do that instead of beat people up, basically? That's a better way to save the world, which is an excellent point. And so... Um, Dude, I'm sorry. I'm so pissed. Like, my, like, in my issue, like, the second page, you know, it opens up and it's, like, all of them in unison. And the second page, mm-hmm. he's, like, monologuing. There's like a part of of my page that just didn't get fully colored, and I'm like, uh, it looks so so shitty. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So basically, it's it's her um, monologuing and telling you about you know herself and kind of explaining who she is compared to the others. And um, Julie keeps flashing to her time with the Future Foundation. Which is uh, where her, it's the Fantastic Four group. Mm. And um, her and Alex were part of it. And she had a girlfriend at that point. And she's uh, thinking about it and, you know, not wanting to be here, but maybe wants to be there. There's kind of a tip to that. Um, so uh, the kids have to still lie to their parents about what they're doing. I love the lasagna pan. <laughs> yeah. So their dad designs a lasagna pan with eight corners because he's an engineer. Uh, so that everybody gets a, a corner piece, which is just excellent. Uh, it's, it's. I mean, wh- wh- why aren't we funding this? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like them being a family. I love that Jul- Julie's always been the one that wants to fight crime. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so they really emphasize that, that she's the one, like, we need to do this. Uh, also, I really want to point out, because this is something that's only recently happened with Power Pack, and I think I talked about it with issue one. I love, love the wardrobe for these characters. Oh, dude, they're fucking, like, the flashiest kids. Like, they're so dope. <laughs> Alex looks dope as hell. Dude, yes. And he's, <laughs> and he's just in, in, in monocolor. He's mono, monotones, and but it looks so dope. Yeah, and then him and Jolie kind of match, and I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, I just love it. It's so, I, I wish I could dress that snappy is what I'll say. <laughs> so then there's an explosion when they're on their way to go make energy, and it's the Taskmaster, and I love the lettering here. Oh, where yes. Where it's like, that guy looks like, and then it's like the explosion spells Taskmaster. <laughs> like, <laughs> so great. So cheesy. Um, I also love them fighting Taskmaster, because what's he going to copy? You know, <laughs> like, none right. of them are fighters. So... And Dude, the, you're right. oh, the, bu- the bullet shot. Oh, yeah. Where he fires a bullet and hits the other guy's bullet. So dope. <laughs> so good, yeah. So the kids start to realize, hey, our powers aren't working very well. Uh, but they, they work together and they slowly able to defeat Taskmaster, which is kind of embarrassing for him. <laughs> and then um, Agent Ether, not Captain Ether. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, basically, they're like, hey, our powers aren't working. He's like, oh. Let's put you back in. We'll run the power back into you. And then Julie's like, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> That's not how power works. <laughs> <laughs> then he's like, oh, you fucking smart bitch. And then he basically captures them. He's like, I'm the wizard. And basically, Julie realizes she can get them out. If she moves at light speed, she can like shatter the glass that's holding her in. But it might hurt her. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we leave off. Uh, the next issue has Wolverine on the cover. And... I love Wolverine and Power Pack. There's this whole, like, in the 80s, there was a whole arc with them. Oh, really? They, they ended up spending Christmas with Kitty Pride and Wolverine at one point. Oh. Like, it's just great. It's just great. So I'm really excited that Jack looks up to Wolverine. Kind of in our new X-Men run, you know, the whole way Elixir looked up to Wolverine. Oh, I mean, like, the, the whole attitude. I, I fucking bet he does. Yeah, so it's kind of similar to that, but yeah. Uh, I really liked it. What do you think? Because you're not the Power Pack veteran I am. So no, curious. seriously, this is actually like my intro to Power Pack. And I've always heard, like, read Power Pack, or Power Pack is really cool. It's a beloved place in my heart. And I totally see why. It's just like, it's a family of kids and their superpower and the superheroes. But it's just so, like, it's just it's just so wholesome at the same time. Charming. Yeah, it's just so charming. I, I really love it. And, like, the art the art style for this book is just it's so complimentary to the the story that, that they're telling even as like or for an intro like for, for a person intro for like like me it just makes me like love it so much more yep nice all right that takes us on to the books um the big books we're gonna start getting to some serious stuff here uh i want to start with eternals number two yes so um Written by Karen Gillan, of course. <laughs> Drawn by Asad Rubik. Uh, colored by Matthew Wilson. And lettered by Clayton Cowles. Uh, so where we left off, the basically they found out the, the leader of the Eternals was killed by Thanos. And Icarus and Sprite found Thanos. And they're about to confront him on Titanos. Um, and basically a lot of this is just a fight. Like, it's a really great fight, but a lot of this book is a fight between Thanos and Icarus. Um... <laughs> And it, it obviously there's like some, as is usual with the Eternals, there's a lot of like things bigger than mortals. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the impression you get from Eternals is this is beyond the normal person. And we get that kind of where they have a fight basically through time, oh, yeah. which, which was pretty cool. And then we also have the one where he, 
where the story where he basically tells a, a guy, hey, you know, light this fire and let me know when the monster comes back. And then he forgets and or he doesn't he doesn't grasp the concept of time. And the guy basically waits until he dies as a grand grandfather. Yeah. So it, it kind of really sets these characters as like what they are like. And I think that's a really good way to do it. So uh, what did you think? Once again, not the most experienced Eternals reader. So. But no, no, I'm I'm not with Eternals either. Uh, but you're, but almost that's exactly right. Like the way just someone sets up a scale for you to kind of like, or for some again for someone like me to kind of catch up to the to their power scaling, and that just that little side, a little side story that almost like nobody asked for, but the payoff was just again so brutal <laughs> to just like this whole family, this whole this person's life just mean like nothing to them, only because like they kind of he kind of Icarus kind of fucked it up. Uh, but yeah, and then after that, it, it was just really cool just getting to know the rest of the Eternals. I, I kind of, it is cool kind of when they all kind of come back, especially kind of had a sense where like I kind of know where Druig was kind of a, of an antagonist. So to see yeah. them all, all, all now kind of like putting putting uh, past ship uh, or putting ship behind them and at least like kind of working together so they can talk about it, even though just like Icarus just being just Icarus. Um, his little it's mug, kinda... his little mug shop and being like, <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> Uh, Droog is kind of like, uh, are you familiar, are you more familiar with the Inhumans? Uh, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Max, Maximilian? No, that's not it. The brother? Maximus? Yeah. The, the Beyonder, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's the one that's kind of like, he's like their equivalent of that. Like okay. The, he's, he's like a bad guy that they all tolerate because he's not that bad, you know, kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we get to see Cersei finally, which is cool. I love Cersei. Um, she's probably the closest thing Marvel has to Wonder Woman. Okay, to be honest, she's a fucking badass and she's above everything. And yeah, and we we had a reference to her in the last issue where uh, Tony Stark was like, "Hey, uh, tell Cersei I said hi." Basically, so <laughs> uh, early dug that. So, uh, but yeah, we get to see them, and uh, we're again we're just building. And I know one of the things they were talking about with this is they were trying to balance introducing this gigantic cast of characters. Um, so they're slowly but surely drip feeding us characters, which I think yeah. is a really good way to do it. So about two or three an issue, which is a good way. So, but yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm just curious to see where it goes. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to say about it? I just really like the art style. Like, again, like I kind of like already love um, Karen Galen. So that was kind of a given, but the reason why I was going like, to put my money into this book was to see these Eternals who I'm not really familiar with, but I want to see them in the hands of Assad Ribic. And every time, like every panel, like the whole fight with Thanos, like even Thanos himself just looks so fucking epic. And he really was yeah. my favorite thing about his Secret Wars 2015 was the way he drew Thanos in that one. Yeah, I think uh, his art is very um, mythic. Yes. And I think that really plays to these characters, obviously, very well. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm digging it. So can't wait for the movie. I know, right? <laughs> so um, awesome. And then we'll move on to... We're going to start our King and Black block of the show. Yes. And I want to start with Thunderbolts 2. Okay. Uh, so Thunderbolts 2. We got this arc going with uh, all the villains. Um, where Kingpin's hiring them to get to Norman Osborn. And they're going to help fight off uh, Null. Um, I really love... Uh, I, there's This is a common thing in Marvel crossovers. So I don't want to make it sound like it's the first time they're doing it or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But... I really like how in this King and Black crossover, 
we're getting all these side stories where everybody seems to be contributing to what's going to be the ultimate solution. Right. Like even Black Knight, you know, the X-Men, everybody's kind of coming together and doing these things. And I have the way to defeat Noel. I have the way to defeat Noel. I have the way to defeat Noel. And they're all going to end up in one giant battle that's going to be awesome. And you and me are going to pick it apart and be like, look, Black Knight in the background. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like all these things that we've been watching build coming together. And I really think that's dope. So um, Thunderbolts specifically, uh, I will say written by Matthew Rosenberg yet again, drawn by Juan Ferreira. And he does the color as well. And Josephino lettering. Um, I really enjoyed this. And the main reason I enjoyed this is Batrock. Dude, yes. <laughs> like, that kick. <laughs> he's the best, man. Like, I love him. I, I I was kind of annoyed when the MCU used him very lamely. Oh, I know. I was like, there's so much more there, but... Don't they probably bring him back, kind of? Maybe. Thought... There was a talk of it. Okay. I think he might be in uh, Falcon Winter Soldiers. That'd be cool. Because even then, like, that fucking fight scene in, in Winter Soldiers is really fucking dope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. But yeah, there was a really great line here with Batrock um, at the very beginning uh, when someone said, when Mr. Fist told me he was sitting to rescue, I was expecting someone, he goes, less attractive? <laughs> like, I was like, excellent. I like a man who knows he's hot, so that's cool. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very much a Thunderbolt story, you know, bad yeah. guys who can't quite get along. Um, and they also have their little electric powers. So they all, you know, can still actually harm Noel's, you know, symbiotes. Oh man, so that's the cool. Taskmaster mask on this one looks really cool. Oh totally, yeah. It, it almost try, it almost seems like it wants to resemble the the MCU mask that we're still waiting for, but just like more white. Yeah, exactly. So, then <laughs> um, then we find out more about their ultimate goal here. They're actually recovering the bottom half of Sentry's body because it's going to have a bunch of power in it. So that's grim. <laughs> like so, yeah. Um, what they're gonna do with it? Who who even knows? So <laughs> it's like the perfect item for this team, but like, why just this half? Yeah, exactly. So, oh man, but yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I love Thunderbolts. Uh, I always thought it was fun. Uh, I always had a fascination with Marvel villains, anyways. So mm-hmm. it's nice to give them their own book. I do miss the original Thunderbolt pitch. Which was villains pretending to be heroes. I like I always like that the most of Thunderbolts. Yeah. But turn it into the kind of like the Marvel version of Suicide Squad isn't bad either, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Especially when the whole world is in peril. Yeah, exactly. So Yep. Uh anything else you want to say about this one? Uh no, I mean it, it's just fun just being Thunderbolts. It's like like the the highlight is uh Batrock with like holding Grim Reaper with the with the single heel, like in like that perfect in perfect formation. God, I love that kick. Yeah, he's so great, dude. Like, I love him. Uh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, let's move on to our next King of Black book, which we're going to do next, Black Panther number one. Yes. This is a one-shot. Yeah. Unfortunately. Because uh, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, written by Jeffrey Thorne. Uh, he goes by Jeff Thorne on Twitter if you guys are looking for him. Nice. Uh, artist is German German Parata. Colorist is Jesus Abertov, and lettering by Joe Sabino. Um, I really liked this book. Dude, this fuck yeah. Pretty, pretty fucking dope, dude. Um, it's basically 
Null and his armies are invading Wakanda. And so it seems like every crossover we get, yeah, but what's happening in Wakanda? (laughs) (laughs) And it's always like, oh, they got it handled way more than the rest of us. This usually (laughs) seems to be the answer. (laughs) Like, so that's that's the case here. Um, they are getting attacked. They are getting invaded. It's obviously not all like peachy keen, but it does seem that uh, T'Challa has a plan, and we we get to see what that plan is. I won't get too much into it because that's literally the whole plot of the comic. Um, but we get to see a bunch of cool things, like um, like Shuri combining you know tech and magic, and you know coming up with alchemy and like. <sighs> You're doing that thing. We get to see uh, Okoye uh, using a giant virtual uh, panther that was meant to fight the phoenix. Like it's just like a bunch <laughs> of really cool shit. And T'Challa doing his thing, which is planning and you know being smart, which is cool. It's not him just punching everybody the entire issue. So uh, nullified Shuri was horrifying. Dude, for the yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely scary. Um, but yeah, um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I wonder how much of what they're doing will even be able to help in the main fight. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, as long as what kind of care, like who cares about the rest of the world? <laughs> yeah, but that's the key to this. This is the first place where Noel was defeated. Mm-hmm. Like everybody else is given ground. He just they just, he just ran into Wakanda and stopped dead, basically. Yeah. So pretty great. I really really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, yeah, we're also going to be uh, we're gearing up towards the end of Tanahisi Coates' uh, last uh, arc. Oh, I know. So for Black Panther, so curious to see what's going to come Just out. Just waiting that. for those hardcovers. Like I got, yeah, I'm on the third one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then Daredevil twenty seven. Ooh, damn. Um, I'll let you start. I've been talking quite a bit. Um. Well, shit. Where we left off. Um. It was. Matt is still in prison. Uh, Electra's still doing her doing Daredevil, and oh yeah, it's King of Black season, so Noel is like around, and everything's going to shit. <laughs> Where yeah, fucking who got turned? Uh, in order to save Kingpin, uh, Bloody Mary got nullified, and is super awesome. Yeah. I I really like her design. Totally. And meanwhile, yeah, and over in prison, Matt also got nullified, and he's having his own episode inside while trying to defend the prison it's yeah. really badass like they're both it's just like two fights happening at the same time um just see who uh, it, it sucks i kind of wanted more like that this is only a two-parter but yeah pretty much like like matt is able to control the symbiote through Noel, and it's kind of a battle but he kind of makes it seem like he doesn't make it seem easy but shit does he actually believe hard enough to just like actually expel him out or at least, or at least, like to put the symbiote suit to a ride. Yeah, and I, I really dug that, and I liked how the um, he's the first person we've seen like just straight up resist it without some kind of like reason. You know what I mean? Like he's he literally is just like it's his pure willpower, basically. I mean, that's doing it. His pure will, his pure willpower to put himself to sit himself into an an. Uh, an executioner's chair, an electricity chair, and then just like, and then just get electrified by one of the inmates. Oh, he was about to fail. He was about to get completely get overpowered when, on the, when one of the inmates is kind of like, no, I, I got you, buddy. Let me kill you. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, really, really enjoyable. And I'm just loving Electra's run as, as Daredevil. 
Yeah, no, like, again, like she's really trying. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really digging it. It's great. So, um, it didn't feel like it was over though. Again, like it was supposed to be, like, it was said that it was like a two parter. Uh, but yeah, Bloody Mary was still up in, still in the wind, uh, with, uh, with the symbiote. Yeah. I, that's the thing is you said it's only a two parter. So the next issue is not going to be about King of Black at all. I swear I saw either, it was either Chip or Chichetto that said that it was like, Hey, be sure to pick up, uh, I guess it's part two, or probably second, the second parter for, or the, the wrap up for the, the King and Black tie, and it was it was something on the lines of those. Hmm. But yeah, but I, I, again, I guess I still feel like it wasn't really that finished either. Yeah, yeah, I feel like there's more, especially with uh, Typhoid Mary. Yeah, oh Typhoid so, Mary, thank you. Yeah, I think there's more going on there, so we'll see. Maybe she'll pop up in the main series. So hmm. yeah, okay, great, and then. Um, our last, technically our last. Oh, uh, sorry, I apologize. I didn't go through the the creative team. You should know Daredevil's creative team by now, guys. Uh, <laughs> written by Chip Zardsky, drawn by Marco Cicchetto and Mike Hawthorne, inked by Marco Cicchetto and Adriana De Benedetto. There we go. Um, Marcio and Meniz coloring and Clayton Cowles' lettering. So, all right, and our last one, which will actually transition us very nicely into our X Men section. Yes. Uh, Sword number three. Quickly oh creative team for this one. Uh, I know, man. Like, oh, I can't wait. Um, written by Al Ewing. Artists, we have four different artists. Uh, Valerio Shiti, Ray Anthony Height, Bernard Shang, and Nico Leon. Uh, colorist is Marte Grecia. And lettering is by Ariana Mayer. So this entire story is Manifold. Yes. It's supposed to be a King of Black tie-in. And I guess it kind of is. But it's not. <laughs> Yeah, very, very lightly touches on King of Black. <laughs> but um, in the end, it's, it's yeah, it's about Manifold. It's a really great book if you don't know who he is mm-hmm. to find out. Um, so if you were kind of like, oh, who is this character? He's great. Read this book. It's really good. Uh, so basically, he's it describes his powers pretty well, too, how he's they make a very big emphasis that he's not a teleporter. Yes. That he literally talks to space and goes where he needs to go. <laughs> like, it's just such a great concept. They're like, that's not teleportation. You know what I mean? Like, so. Um, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And we have so many different artists because he keeps going to different locations. So each artist does a different location. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, which I think is cool. Uh, we get him go to Snark Space, which is amazing because we're reading Power Pack right now. Snark is the Snarks are the um, the enemies of of Power Pack and the aliens that gave Power Pack their powers, oh. the chameleons. And their whole thing is they can steal powers. So the reason Power Pack have powers, I'll make this very quick, I promise. Um, there was a um, alien, a chameleon, who, by the way, chameleons are like white horse people. Um, it's kind of the Green Lantern origin, to be honest with you. Uh, he showed up, and he was dying, and the Snarks were coming to take his powers. Well, the powers kids find him, and he decides to give it to the kids. So that's why he had all four powers, and he distributed them between the four powers kids. That's why they have their powers, so they so that the Snarks wouldn't get them. So the Snarks are obsessed with taking powers from people, basically. So that's why we got this. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, Manifold's like, hey, if you come help us you know, defend Earth... We have two mutants willing to give you their powers. And the guy's like, nah, I'm good. Basically, that's basically <laughs> the story. 
Uh, but yeah, and then as soon as he leaves, the dude dies. So it doesn't matter anyways. So yeah. Um, but yeah, he's basically just traveling around doing different things. We get to go to see him go to Alpha Flight Space Station, which was an interesting twist. Um, <laughs> we find out that Alpha Flight, or at least Peter Gyrick, is involved with the group that was orbiting around the sun. Ooh, okay. um, yeah, with uh, what was it called? Orcus. The ones that had the... Uh, the uh, Nimrod and we're producing uh, Sentinels. The ones that mutants, you know, died to to stop. Um, the first time we found out they could actually be resurrected now. So, is this the same guy that Wanda like quit to in the book we just read? Yes. Okay. Cool. I, I thought so. He's always the governmental guy that is a pain in the ass to the heroes. That's always <laughs> Henry Peter Gyrick. He was also in charge of X Factor for a while when they were a governmental organization. So, mm. uh, he's terrible. Yeah. But yeah. Um. So yeah, um, we get to see that. Like yeah, he just bounces around doing a bunch of stuff. Basically, uh, we get to see him talking to Abigail Brand, and then right at the end, we tie right back into King of Black. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so I'm kind of curious to see where this goes. It looks like everything's been fucked over since Manifold left. Um, and the one thing I want to talk about is there is a drop of a line that um, after he leaves, Gyrick says, "My mole and sword only tells me so much." Oh yeah, so I'm like, oh god damn it, god damn it, right? <laughs> it, I I I want it to be Cortez so we can kill him off. So, <laughs> I mean, it's totally in character for him, which is why it won't be. But still, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it. I liked the different art in this case. Yeah. Um, I think I think it did a lot. Um, I just love Valera Shiti's art too, so that doesn't hurt, you know. <laughs> so, he, and he handled the snark portion of it, so. Yeah. No, dude, well, I just like uh, yeah, no, uh, setting setting uh, the character manifold straight because it, it always was that like oh he can he can bend reality like, in and on itself and thus he can teleport into the other side, but to just set it straight is like let's not ever call him a teleporter ever again. It's totally different. Like that was just so so fucking dope. Um, where is it? Yeah, on on Abigail's notes when how it, it terrifies her to think when she starts thinking about it for too long just because like. Is like yeah he doesn't he doesn't tell space to do it he asks it uh, which is why do it <laughs> uh, but that aside he's really a nice guy so thank God he is because he could really almost do anything <laughs> well, it, it, yeah. it's, it's that it's like it's, it's not just like like bending space in and on itself so you can like cross over to the other side wherever you want to but it's almost like he's able to to use that same light use that same space as light to reflect or almost like as a barrier like that that i think that part was new but that was really fucking dope they could still use it as that way yeah yeah no, I, I just i just love that i just set this one character straight i i just i like that the xbox took an approach of just like focusing on kind of one character this week yeah and um also he went back to australia yeah and um he talked with his uncle and stuff, and that was kind of cool to see them do that, uh, which is which is kind of ironic because I remember when this book was being made, there was like criticism of representing him as a, you know, as 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 the proper uh, uh, nationality, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know, it, it, it's very much what they did in this book. So yeah, it's very much what like, they did in this book, and like, and he's never really been misrepresented that way. I feel like every time I've seen him, he's he. I feel like he always has to touch back uh, like, uh, on his native on his native land, either to talk to family or just just be there. I feel like he has, has a sense of home that way. Yeah, which, which is ironic for, a tele- for again a tele- quote unquote teleporter. Yeah, 
I think I think people were just like concerned they weren't going to do it right. And I'm right. Like, I I have faith they're going to do it just fine. No, it's, it's, so, it was excellent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Uh, that leads us to our X Men books of the week. Okay. Uh, our other X Men books of the week, I should say. Let's start with X Force. Okay. <laughs> I was like, which one is he going to do? I know you you know you're always going to end on Excalibur, but what an X Force issue. Yeah, yeah, we're going with X Force first. <laughs> so, um, so X Force obviously we'll run through the creative team real quick. Um, this is written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Joshua Casara, colored by Guru, and lettered by Joe Caramagna. Um, so this is a Kid Omega story, <laughs> and what a story! Yeah, uh, a lot of development for Kid Omega, and uh, you can tell kind of what the subject matter is going to be from the cover. Because he's wearing a shirt that says, I died a hundred times, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> um, so the ongoing joke amongst us has been basically the same one for Hellions, actually, now that I think about it. Is Kid Omega going to die in this uh, this mission, much like is Empath going to die in this mission? Because <laughs> they, they die in every mission. Well, we found out that Kid Omega has died way more times than we thought, because there's <laughs> missions that we wouldn't see. So, yeah, it's kind of sad, actually. And He's, he goes off on an investigation on his own, and um, he's killed again. We don't know what happens uh, on a boat. A lot of ventures on boats lately for the X-Men. Um, but a lot of the story is him and Phoebe, uh, Cuckoo, and how much she likes him and stuff. And she's, like, trying to help him with, like, with basically this mind blank he has like he he's he's been resurrected so many times he's got all these blanks which is really sad actually now i think about mm-hmm. it and um they're trying to figure out exactly what's going on uh, and they're really cute together i thought she was fucking with him oh because the cuckoos made it pretty clear originally for quentin choir back in the day that he was not attractive none of them were attracted to him at all <laughs> but i think maybe one of them secretly was and was hiding it mm-hmm so, and I think Phoebe is the one that died that he tried to bring back to life, too. So, I'd have to double check that. But yeah, basically, um, they're trying to look into it. And uh, he gets, first of all, a brand new costume, which huh. is dope. Really cool. Yeah, really cool. Uh, and it's made by Jumbo Carnation, of course, because Jumbo's great. Uh, there's a couple great shots taken, uh, including basically, Jumbo puts him in a Rob Layfield era uh, cable outfit. <laughs> and he describes it as too pouchy, which is great. Um, then he gives him basically a Wolverine costume, <laughs> which is funny. The fucking glob so, suit. <laughs> yeah, glob Herman suit, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, basically, so Jumbo like goes to attack them after he helps him. Uh, I think this is time back to the very beginning of X-Force, of this run, I should say. Oh. Where... Uh, remember how Domino was cloned? Yeah. And she had to fight her own clone and everything like that. Well, the guy in the mask at the end, that's the guy who's doing all the cloning. Oh, okay, okay. So I think this is still a problem. They never did resolve it. Mm-hmm. And I know that ties into the Mikhail story, too. Mikhail Rasputin. Because okay. he was part of it as well. So this X-Force run has basically been building up for almost two years now to this this arc. So it might be a really big thing once we get into it. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, what do you think? Uh, no, th- this was fun, especially just like focusing on Kid Omega and just like just someone who's just a piece of shit. But 
not fully familiar, but every time I get to know him, it's just like, God, do I just love you or hate you? And I'll, I guess I'll always teeter that line and I'll never know because, God damn it, his resurrection report really just makes me, again, hate him and love him. Yeah. This dude has resurrection laser laser surgery for a lot of hair. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and, and I love the complaint where it's just like, it's like that it's not fair that just because they're in X-Force, they just get to jump the queue line to be resurrected. And then he just has all of these demands where like, probably the process could go a lot faster if they didn't have to make him so fucking picky. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Also the part where him opening up his mind, like like that key, almost like very locking key-esque, was very cool. Oh yeah, that was that was a dope image. Like I really liked that mm-hmm. a lot. So yeah. Um I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh because they also talked about how it seems like the damage in his brain looks like some shit he did basically. Oh yeah. So um we do know that you know they got a hold of a dead copy of Quentin Quire when Mikkel stole the sword, the Shrebo sword. Okay. So they probably cloned him. So yeah, and then like they have a Wolverine that's slightly off, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. So, okay, I think that's I think that's where it's going. So yeah, pretty good. I'm really enjoying it. So, um, and then that leads us to our last book, Excalibur, baby, Excalibur. Uh. Yeah, I just love it. Okay, so Excalibur, written by the wonderful, amazing, majestic Teeny Howard, <laughs> uh, drawn by Marcus Toe, uh, colored by Eric Arcianaga, and lettered by Ariana Mayer. Um, so we're getting the uh, aftermath of Betsy coming back uh, from our last issue. So she comes back. Everything's great. Yay, Betsy's Yay! back. She didn't actually die, right? Yes. So... Um, at the same time, Excalibur is trying to work out a deal with Saturnine. They're trying to work out why do they die in other worlds and come back weird. And so that's that's kind of like the thing going in the background of this. And um, everybody's concerned because Betsy doesn't want to talk to anybody. And they're kind of worried it's not really Betsy, which if you're the X-Men, that's definitely something that you probably want to be concerned about because that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, (laughs) I can completely understand that. Um, But basically she keeps to herself and um, they're trying to figure out exactly what's going on there. Um, Let me see here. Emma shows up and acts like Emma. That's great. (laughs) Um, Brian and Megan come through with their daughter and she sees Betsy. And I, I love the daughter. She's adorable. Oh, and yeah. She's like tiny little toddler, like just screaming. Like we're having a confrontation. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I love it. So, uh, and they try to get like, basically trying to figure out if it's her, if it's really her. And then she gets up into some shenanigans. And uh, I don't know exactly what she's doing, but she ends up going through a portal and Brian's missing and Brian can't go through portals without you know, a mutant. So there's this whole thing. Uh, I think we're setting up a nice, interesting, like the next arc basically. Okay. And, uh, in the end, Richter and rogue get attacked by Betsy. And I think I know what happened, but I, I we'll see. But at, <laughs> the end, at the end, well, at the end, uh, Quanin shows up the other Psylocke. Yeah. And, she says, uh, you're right about two things. That is not Bre- Bexy Braddock. 
and you're going to need a real psychic to watch your back here before you get yourselves killed. <laughs> now, here's what I think is happening. And I think I honestly think I'm very right about this, and I think it has this great symmetry to it. So when we last saw, saw Betsy, she was in the other world, and um, she was in the body of that um, that Betsy Braddock. Oh, yeah. Who was Queen of England. And she had to come back, right? So they, they took her to a portal to get sent back. Who accompanied her there? Quanin. Right. In the past, Betsy took over the body of Quanin. I think that Quanin took over the body of Betsy. Oh, the the Queen of England one? No, I think this this one, our current one. Oh. Is that Quanin. Right before in she her body. Was, oh, shit. Right before she jumped. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. So now we're going to have it kind of flipped. Because that's always been like a thing that she like took her body. Yeah. It's always been like a big point of contention. And this is going to be, this could be something that could like, you know, not make it even, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it, it gives her a point of view. They, they can understand each other better because they've never seen eye to eye. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that'd be a really cool story to tell. And also to see like what that quantum, what she's up to, what she wants to do. Also, I mean, like, um, that whole night when you're right, she starts, she starts getting into some shenanigans. She's asking, she's acting very like a spy, very sneaky, more like Quan and Psylocke. Exactly. So, I think that's what's happening personally. Yeah. Which will be really cool, and they'd have to go to the other world and switch them out. I'm assuming because I, I would bet our Betsy's still there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's my theory. Um, so we'll see, but, uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I just love the art of Excalibur so much. Like, oh, it's really good. It's just some of my favorite art. So yeah. What'd you, what'd you think of the book? Uh, anything else you want to add about it? Um, yeah, I mean, so the, I'm kind of catching up with this book cause I'm only jump, I'm only just jumping into post 10 of swords. Uh, but, every, but everything I'm reading, is just like exactly kind of what I needed or like some little pieces that I kind of wanted post 10 of swords. So I'm definitely gonna be sticking into this one. Um, and again, like I just, I love when comics, when I feel like writers just can can just speak through the through the pages, almost like a, like to to the audience, like through the, yeah, through the pages. Like for me, this one this time around was Richter, was Richter just like almost like saying like mm-hmm. saying like a, a thank you, like a, a teeny saying a thank you to Marvel and I guess to some degree uh, Jonathan Hickman when Richter says someday someone will find this part of our history and it will mean the world to them. Like teeny, it already does. Like right now, and it, and and this is exactly what it means. Like like to me, like people like either for like the haters, like once it almost like once it kind of settles, or once they kind of see like the big picture of the kind of paint or they're painting for this John of X right now, they could probably either either like appreciate it more. But I feel like it was just like teeny speaking through through Richter for the, for that bubble. Yeah, and that whole arc during this was interesting too. I didn't bring it up, but basically investigating what apocalypse was up to yes old, you know like because we know that uh richter was very loyal to apocalypse mm-hmm. and so we're kind of dealing with the aftermath of that too and maybe we're going to get richter kind of dabbling into the magic section of stuff you know oh, that'd be so cool yeah so yeah i really dug it and yeah I, I like what you're saying about that like her speaking through it so um it's one of the best eras of x-men well, for quality sure. wise it's for sure. just amazing so yeah totally agree so all right man that is our list for the week yes did you have anything else no that was it <laughs> all right awesome all right guys well thank you so much for joining us uh we are trying to cut this short 
Uh, we're just over two hours, and that's an accomplishment with the stack of book that we have, stack of books that we have. So, uh, once again, thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues. You can check us out on Twitter at WHI Podcast. You can check me out at WHI Podcast Keith, Liz at WHI Podcast Liz, and Hosway at Hosway Reads Hosway. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>